Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right. See a show of hands. Who's ready to get back at it? Who wants a jazz game tonight? Who's ready to go? Uh, we got Joe Ingles coming up later this hour. Had him on late in yesterday's show, and you'll hear him talk about how weird it was not to have a game Thursday. So weird. Um, but I think it's good. I think that, uh, you know, you go through that meat grinder, you're on the road, you're playing back-to-back, and... You've got an early game Sunday, three games in four days, and this stuff adds up, you know, and they looked weary. They looked a little better against Boston, but they didn't really look like they were back to, you know, full strength, full speed, all juiced up, ready to go. And I think it comes down to, you know, how many days do you get in the schedule where you don't have to play and you don't have to fly? PK loves to tell the story about, um, you know, in his college basketball days, the best road trip. Usually you fly somewhere Wednesday, there's a game Thursday, got to stay up late writing a story, fly Friday, another game Saturday, come home Sunday. That was kind of the routine. But there was no point in going to Hawaii. It was super expensive, and the game was so late you missed deadlines just because of the time difference. So the writers have to go to San Diego. One writer go there, sit and write both BYU and Utah, and they just take wire stories that were from Hawaii and way the heck late. So, just not having to travel on Friday, and let's face it, you were in San Diego, uh, made for a great trip, and I really think anyone who's traveled can appreciate this. If you're not working, and you're not flying, it really does feel like a day off, and you feel different. And so I think the Jazz were a little better Tuesday, because they, the game Sunday was early, so they could fly back after the game, and not have to play or fly Monday. And now not having to play or fly on Wednesday or Thursday, I expect we'll see them looking better. Um, I don't know how long Mike Conley is out. I don't have any inside information. We know he was 19 games with a hamstrings, a hamstring injury last year. <laughs> with the hamstrings. Uh, with the hamstring injury last year. And we've heard this isn't as bad as that, but you can also re-aggravate it when you try to come back and go through a practice or something. So I, I personally try not to put too much stock in that. It seems like things can change pretty quickly anyway. I do think I would be surprised to find out that he plays it back-to-back. Uh, with them playing Friday and Saturday here. That that would surprise me. So I kind of think he's not going to play tonight. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. And the other thing is, do, do they really need him? You know, they got a good team. They're playing well. They absorbed the loss of Joe Ingles, which I think was four games. They absorbed the loss of Donovan Mitchell, which was two games. They absorbed the first two games here that Mike Conley has missed, whether it ends up being two or whether that number grows to three, four, whatever. Uh, you know, get him healthy for the playoffs. You know, Quinn Snyder was asked about this a couple weeks ago, you know, uh, how much do you care about seeding? He says, the number one thing I want is us playing well. And if you're playing well, then you probably have better seeding. So it kind of goes hand in hand. And I would just add health, and which he would probably say, well, it's hard for the team to really be its best if you're missing a key piece or key pieces. So it all does kind of add up, you know, play your best. Well, then you're going to get your best seeding. You're probably going to be healthy. But you got to be healthy for the playoffs. And there's no sense in pushing the envelope with Mike. Um, they got Milwaukee tonight. Uh, Milwaukee was off last night. Uh, they're coming in off a loss. They lost on Wednesday. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo went for 47, which is probably good news because he probably doesn't have another 47-point game. But they lost to the Suns, and he had a shot at the end to win the game. But it was a perimeter shot. He's 0-4 from 3. You know, keep him away from the hoop. He's deadly getting to the hoop. But if you can turn him into a jump shooter, you got a chance. And he was 0-4 against the Suns from the three-point line. Missed the shot pretty much straight away. Um, they could have won the game. You know, if you can get him out to 20 feet or get him out to the three-point line, then you're better off. 
Uh, we've had a lot of discussions here about the Jazz. I'm going to see what happens with Milwaukee because this continues our tour of kind of the best in the East. they got Miami on Saturday. they got Philly on Monday, who is leading the East. And then they'll turn around and play the best in the West because they got a couple games coming up pretty quick with the Clippers in L.A. and a game with the Lakers at home. So it'll find out kind of the, the best regular season measurement you can get of how good this Jazz team is. And I know there's a lot of people, you know, the Jazz aren't getting any respect, and Shaq's comments on TV carried a lot of weight, and I realized set a tone, and people don't like that. But if you start clicking around, and there's a limit to how much of this I want to do because it's just people's opinions, and you can't possibly know now how the playoffs are going to go months from now. You just can't. Look at the surprises we've gotten in the playoffs, sometimes in the NBA Finals with injuries. So you can't possibly know. But still, the power rankings are there. It's fun. It's something to talk about. It's something to look at, even though we full, full well know it's going to change in a week or two. Um, and I checked The Athletic and ESPN. And, I mean, you can go, you know, if you're hardcore, you can go check SI or check what other website you like, uh, CBSSports.com, Yahoo, whoever. They've all got them. But I figured I'd check a couple, and I stopped because of what I saw. <laughs> I went to ESPN.com, and they had the Lakers 1 and the Jazz 2, which was actually up either two or three spots from the week before for the Jazz as they went from 15-5 and five to 19-5. and five. And obviously, they've now since won. They beat Boston, um, but they came out on Monday. So, you know, the Jazz won that game on Tuesday. And so they had the Lakers 1 and the Jazz 2. And you thought, okay, well, I mean, it's not the standings, but the standings are so close. You know, is that really a big deal? And they had, the, for what it's worth, they had the, the Clippers 3, the Sixers 4, who we will see Monday, and the Bucks 5. So you can see the Jazz are getting ready to play the best teams in the league. Then you go to the Athletic, and they got the Jazz 1 and the Lakers 2. They just flip-flopped the top two. So you're right there, and the only way that the Jazz can really get the respect everybody wants, they got to win the title. You know, rip it away from LeBron. LeBron's the gold standard. LeBron's the guy. LeBron's the defending champ, and if you haven't, you know, with the exception of the one year he's hurt, every other year, you know, he's gotten beat in the finals. I mean, it's, it's a remarkable stretch. He's been to the finals nine times in ten years, and he's won four of them, and he's lost five, and then uh, had the one where, uh, you know, he didn't make it because he was hurt. So you just look at it, and it's like, well, <laughs> what, what, what do you expect? <laughs> you got to beat LeBron. That's always the test. That is always the final exam in the NBA. So I think if they're ranked one or two, you know, personally, I think you have to say that the Lakers are the favorite to win the title. And now when you're doing the power rankings now, it's just how do you like what you've seen through, you know, you know the first 25 games of the season. And so if you want to rank the Jazz one, fine. But I, I think the Lakers are still the favorite. You know, they, they're the favorite until they're beat. And there's been plenty of stuff out there. I retweeted yesterday Jalen Rose. And Rose did an almost two-minute rant. It was a little under. It was like a minute 45 or something set on there. You can go find it on my Twitter feed, David DJ James. And he said, if anyone's going to beat the Lakers, it's going to be the Jazz. If anyone is going to beat the Lakers, it's not going to be the Clippers. And if anyone's going to beat the Lakers, it's not going to be the Nuggets. He totally left out the East. Of course, he was, he was riffing. I don't know how serious it was. When you see it, he was, he was really selling it. It was very – it was um, Stephen A. Smith sort of – as far as passion, but not as much as anger. And he was actually laughing at his uh, co-host 
because, <laughs> because he'd been pumping the jazz and the coast was running out of things to say about the jazz rather than like, mm, maybe you're right, Jalen. And no coast ever wants to admit his partner is right. Trust me, PK and I have been going through this for years. Nobody wants to go, oh, yeah, I was totally wrong. You were spot on. You totally saw it. Nobody wants to say that. The truth is they're all crazy predictions that everybody has to say at some time. So I think there's plenty of respect out there for him. And the way they can really pile it on is go through this, uh, go through this stretch and win. And if you win without Conley, you know, all the better. Cause that, and that's actually been written in some of these comments. Like, yeah, they're playing well, and they didn't even have a Conley. And, you know, Conley's got these, uh, for all the people who are in analytics, Conley's numbers when he's on and off the court, I mean, it's just night and day. I mean, it's just totally different. Yeah, it's just unbelievable how good the Jazz are with him on the court. His numbers just blow everybody else away, including Rudy Gobert, whose numbers, whose numbers are awesome himself. So we'll see how it goes tonight with the Bucs. I, w- I would expect the Jazz get the win and uh, sweep the season series. We'll see how that plays out. We'll get the game tonight. It's 7 o'clock, pregame at 6 with uh, Jake and with Tim. Jake Scott, Tim Lacombe here uh, at 6 o'clock to get you ready for that game and then turn around and do it with the uh, – with the Heat, and uh, you know they've had all kinds of injuries. Although they're getting Jimmy Butler back now. He's starting to play again, so he's back in the lineup. Uh, they missed Dragic for a big chunk of the season. Myers Leonard is out for the year. He had shoulder surgery. So uh, he's done for the year. So it's, uh, it has not been a good run of health for the Heat. You know They hit the jackpot and went to the finals last year, but it's been really different this year. Although with Butler back, they ought to start playing better. So... Big weekend for the Jazz. Three games in the next four days. They've had a couple days to rest up. Wouldn't be surprised to see them come out and shoot the three really well tonight. They've had a couple games here where they've shot below their season average, and I think we've got a big enough sample size to know that they're going to get back to that average, and I expect they're going to do it pretty quickly too. All right, DJ and PK. For you Jazz fans, we've got Joe Ingles coming up later in the hour. And uh, Joe is always <laughs> is in great form. So uh, we'll get to that coming up. And coming up next, Larry Kristoviak and the Utes pick up a road win. Kind of mangled it there at the end, but they got the W and got out of there. And we will get to that next, and we'll hear from Larry. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Well, the Utah Utes do it, they get a win. So they've won three in a row. They've won five out of seven. They're playing a little better basketball here. i got to say it was not their most inspiring win. But, hey, looks like a line drive in the box score, right? <laughs> it is a win. It was a game they mangled in the final minute, a game they should have put away and, and had under control. It, it just reminded me a couple weeks ago, I was talking about the Utes and saying, you know, you just don't know who they are game to game. And PK tops me with, you don't know who they are, half to half. And sure enough, it happened again. Utes are up 42-32 at the half. They close the half on a uh, like a 12-1, 11-1, 12-1 run and seem to be, you know, taking control of the game. And you're like, okay, that was a good run to close the half. They're playing well now. If they come out with a strong open to the second half, then Cal will probably go away. I mean, they're 2-12. You know, and 12, They're terrible. And when, you, when you're on a bad team, and trust me, in high school I played on bad name, teams. I know how this works. Uh, and it starts to go south. It is natural to say, oh, here we go again. Uh, but instead, instead of slamming the door, the Utes opened it wide open. 
not for the last time in this game. And Cal went on a on a big run, 18 to 8. Not, not so much a run, just kind of warmed down and controlled play for about eight minutes and had that thing tied up at 50. And then it was back and forth, back and forth. And you just pulled away, and they opened up a little bit of a lead, and they knew they were going to get to the free throw line in the final minute. Cal was going to have to put them on the free throw line to stop the clock and have any chance to come back in the game. And sure enough, the Utes got to the line in the final minute six times and only made two of the free throws. And once again, opened the door on a winnable game. And Cal nearly walked through it. Nearly, but you know, they're just snake bit themselves. And the Utes had the ball with a second left, up two, and turned it over. And Cal had a three to win and missed it and got the rebound. And the Utes fouled. So now it's two free throws to, win, to tie the game and send it to OT, make the first, miss the second, and the Utes get out of there with a win. Yikes. Against a 2-12 and team. But they had a couple of really good chances to slam the door on. But it's the Utes, and you just don't know what you're going to get. You know, the, you get a run that's pretty good, and then you, uh, you have a series, just a stretch that's, that's no good at all. Um, you know, there were some silver linings in there. I mean, the first thing is they got the win. You know, we, we can complain about what the win looked like, but at least they got the win. Um, <laughs> Cal's no good, but they got the win. And, you know, it kind of sets them up um, in the race going forward here. They're going to play uh, Stanford on the weekend. And Stanford got blown out by Colorado, blown out 69-51. to So Oregon State also lost to Arizona. The Utes were tied with Oregon State, so now they're a half game in front of them. And now they are a game behind Arizona and a game behind Stanford. And Arizona's not going to the conference tournament. So right now, you know, Utah's got to beat Stanford, and that'll put them percentage points behind because it's COVID. And, of course, they played a different number of games. Um, but at least I'll have a fight and chance down the stretch to get in front of Stanford and get a bye. Top five teams get a bye. And if Arizona is one of the top five, then the top six will get a bye. And right now the Utes are, are sitting in the, uh, in the seventh spot. A half game in front of Oregon State, who is eighth. And they play Oregon State twice, who's right behind them. And they've got a game here with Stanford, who's right in front of them. They also have to play the top four teams in the league. They've got to play USC and UCLA and Oregon and Colorado. So we'll see how the Utes do down the stretch. Cal was probably the easiest game on the schedule. And uh, it wasn't smooth looking, but they won. And really, one game to the next doesn't matter for the Utes. One half to the next doesn't matter. They got the W, but Stanford Saturday night will be a totally different deal. Stanford's not going well themselves after that 69-51 uh, loss. Uh, you know, for the Utes, it, it seems like there's a different hot guy every game. And Ian Martinez, a freshman, 16 points, a lot of them late in the game. That was a bright spot in the final 10 minutes was that he started heating up and got him some big hoops when they really needed to kind of pull away and get a little space between them and Cal. So, all right, Utes get the win. Here's Larry Kristoviak, the head coach on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Larry, I know a win is a win, and no matter how you get it, it's still a win. But Yes, sir. That's right, Trevor. How, how do you feel, though, with how that ended, though? Well, come on. I mean, uh, uh, it, it, I was really – we were for, fortunate. Um, you know, it wasn't a typical road celebration in the locker room, but as I shared with our guys that there's a lot of lessons to be learned in life, and it's a little different when we can go back to the hotel here in Berkeley tonight and um, – and still celebrate a win. Road wins are hard to come by, but it was, you know, certainly a, a perfect storm to what could have been a, a disaster. So fortunately, I'm, you know, and I, I will make improvements. Our individuals that were a part of that uh, finish will make improvements. 
and, uh, and, you know, we're going to move on and, and start focusing on Stanford. So it's, it's, uh, you know, not the same kind of vibe you want, but you can, you can have learning lessons in life and, and not, you know, be disastrous. I think we can make a positive out of it. Moving on to Ryan. Hey coach. So uh, what exactly happened with Ryan Jones and when did you kind of know he wasn't going to be available today? And then kind of like part two of that question is how do you think Ian Martinez played in his position? Yeah, I'm not going to discuss too much about our injuries, but, uh, you know, I thought Ian stepped up big time, five for five from the free throw line, uh, made some, you know, buckets at a critical point in the game, the end out of bounds, three-pointer when, the, when, the, when they went under, stepped up, and we've challenged him in practice. Um, and it was nice. You know, it wasn't an easy week for Ian. I think, uh, you know, we're grinding out, we're pushing him. And to be able to come into a game on the road and, and have some success, I think everybody's super happy for him. So it was, you know, it was a big time performance on his part tonight. And a, and a great contest uh, late in that game to getting a block shot. There were a lot of things he did uh, defensively for us beside, beside just on the offensive end too, Ryan. All right, moving on to Josh Newman. Larry, just to follow up on what um, – uh, excuse me, on what Ryan asked, um, you know, with Ian, however he's been practicing, did you at all have a sense that he was ready for some kind of breakout, some kind of breakthrough here? Well, I mean, I don't ever uh, have those kind of expectations. I just know that uh, karma is big in basketball. And when you practice hard and you practice focused uh, and you push yourself, you hope as a coach that, that players get to enjoy the fruits of their labor and I've, I've seen it for a number of years, uh, you know, coaching, playing, uh, the, you know, the adage that you oftentimes play how you practice is very true. And, and so, uh, you know, I was hoping that his ath- we knew we needed him, you know, without Rylan on the floor. And I thought his athleticism and his length really helped, uh, really helped us, our team. And I'm, you know, just really proud for him because it's, it's one of those things he can chalk up one of those freshman experiences that, man, when I really work hard uh, the week of a game, uh, all of a sudden I'm getting asked to do an interview post game, you know, on on TV. So I think those are things that you find a correlation as a as a young player and you, you can validate what you're doing. And that's all part of the maturation process, I think, for him. So we're all we're re- really happy for him. But I can't say I would have predicted it. You know, it's there's a lot of unknowns. And I know he, I know he put himself in a position to be successful, though. Larry, just to follow that up, uh, Brandon picks up his third foul with about 18 minutes to go. Uh, you sit him down. You go back to him with, with about 14 to go. He, he, he pretty much went the rest of the way. Just what about the way he played, especially on defense, you know, staying aggressive but not being overly aggressive with three fouls? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's hard. And Kelly's a load, uh, you know, one of our our better post postmen, and they looked to get him the ball. So there was a big-time challenge. Uh, for him, I thought he played behind and kind of got himself in harm's way early on, but made some adjustments, uh, protected the rim for us. But I think more than anything, the last time we played Cal, I think we took 24 threes, if I'm not mistaken, Josh, and kind of settled from the perimeter. We actually got into that same little flow when we lost our lead. I thought we were settling for some threes and we missed some really good looks. You know, Fonz is missing looks and Pella's missing looks. 
going down the stretch, but we called some interior plays for Brandon and we knew that Cal was going to play straight up. And I thought he had a lot of poise and maturity and, and made some big time baskets, uh, you know, for us at, at critical times in the game. So it was, I think he made some advancements for sure in his game and it was good. It's a two part thing besides just fit finishing in the post. We did a good job of getting him the ball on some post feeds and, and he went to work. So big time. All right, moving along to Jay. Larry, just to follow up with what uh, Josh just asked, did you give in, Brandon any instructions and at that time did, or kind of to lay back or anything? Because he was, you know, kind of a good mix of aggressiveness and yet caution. Well, I think the game was a little bit like, you know, what played at three o'clock in the afternoon uh, here on the West Coast. And, you know, one of the things that I wrote on the board uh, is to do your work early. And we were doing our work early with an early game. I think you need to do your work early in the post. And as I mentioned, he, he was uh, kind of the reactor on a couple of plays. And, you know, Kelly does a really good job of posting. It's a little bit of a brawl down there nowadays in uh, college basketball with displacement of guys. But I thought he was – he got caught a little bit uh, being the reactor. And then what you saw, you know, I, I think he was – he was the actor uh, in the second part of the game and beating Kelly to some spots and doing a good job of pulling the chair. But I typically you don't discuss, yeah, you got to, you know, you can't play as hard. I think it was all kind of in what we talked about during the week is, is initiating the defensive, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, competition down there of making sure that you're the, the first one to be on top of it and, and uh, initiate the action and do your work earlier. All right, going back to Josh Newman. Yeah, Larry, I'm just curious how you thought uh, that Pella played. Obviously, with Rylan out, you were going to ask Pella to do more things. He's going to have the ball in his hands more. Uh, you know, he had a few turnovers, but I thought I thought he settled in there in the second half. I'm curious what you know, you know, what yeah. you saw from him. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, one one of the things that we discussed in the locker room after the game is is. Uh, I thought we got sped up a little bit by some pressure and we got a little bit out of sorts when we were trying to run some of our offense and uh, we we've got to improve on that. But, you know, I thought Pella did a good job of getting to the rim, uh, drew some fouls and, and made, you know, appropriate plays under the circumstances. And we didn't go deep in the benches you're aware. And, you know, that's, that's a grind, but defensively was, was where he needed to be oftentimes too. And, you know, I think one of the storylines of the game that kind of off topic with Pella's, you know, up until the last four free throws of the game where I think we were one for four, uh, you know, our team, we've been shooting the free throw really well. We got there 27 times, 21 for 27. I think over the last eight games or so, we've been shooting uh, in the 80%. And those are important. We, we got there, we knocked them down and, you guys remember the stretch of the game where we had about five times we went to the line and I think we were 10 for 10, if I'm not mistaken, everybody made them both. And then it got a little bit tight at the end, but that was a, a big part of it. And, and Pella's one of our better free throw shooters. He was what five for six from the line. So a big element as well. All right, go ahead, Trevor. Just seeing of what Ian did today and then, you know, Fonz had, you know, a, a couple of, of games, you know, really good stretch and, and, and Fonz even had a good first half. Is that, is that one of the benefits to this team is to have kind of that one, one, two punch one, 
Uh, normally, both of them would be coming off the bench, but today it was one starting and one coming off the bench. Yeah, I think, you know, Trevor, instead of thinking as, as much about, you know, individual guys, it's, uh, or, you know, positions, the, the whole key to winning basketball games in the Pac-12, in my mind, is you try to get uh, as many guys. And, you, you know, we talk a lot about the Wolf uh, mentality and the Pac mentality. And our pack is pretty tight, but we, you know, we're only going to be as good as each individual guy. And, you know, I thought Fonz, again, we, we executed and got him some shots. They didn't go in. He's not going to make them all. Um, but to be able to win a game and have some other people step up when he's not making all of his shots, I think is important. And hopefully you can get three, four, five guys that are clicking. And then that enhances your chance of winning the game. And that's, you know, with some of those guys stepping up, a little bit shorthanded. I thought that was a big key. There's Larry Kristoviak after a crazy wild 76-75 win over Cal. Uh, also, Weber State played last night, and they got beat pretty soundly in Montana, 80-67. to So now Eastern Washington beat Montana State, and Eastern Washington's in first place, and they're a game up on Southern Utah, who's not playing this week, and they're SU's second. And then you got to tie for third, a game and a half back, to Weber State and Montana State. And uh, they're playing in duos, so of course uh, they're playing two games in three days. So the Wildcats will go up Montana again on Saturday. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, the one and only Joe Ingles. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Hey, yeah. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells. Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union, proudly serving their members and community for over 90 years. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Joe, good morning. Hi. (laughs) Hi, Joe. I, I'm curious about many things, but I guess first off, I'm wondering, uh, as we all try to imagine, what it's like to be you. Fabulous. It must be great to be you. I'm curious what it is like, what emotion you're feeling with all this winning piling up. Some people feel like winning creates pressure because it creates expectations. Other people think winning is just fun. This is a blast. Other people uh, have other reactions and emotions. I could list a bunch of them. What What are you feeling now as the wind's pile up what is your individual mood and, and the team mood uh you know when you're in a locker room before or after a game um after the game it's to get home as quick as possible and get to sleep because i'll be up at six thirty the next morning to get the kids up um pre-game is very much the same i mean honestly it's 
I think everyone's kind of spoken about it a little bit in, in media and post-game, pre-game, whatever interviews we do. Um, but it's just a... I mean, obviously winning is, is great. We'd rather be 20 and 5 than 5 and 20. But um, just the... Just the, I guess not being satisfied with, with a win or granted we've had a few in a row or, or whatever the streaks have been. Um, just not being satisfied with it because it's... I mean, you guys have watched... I had it old in 98 and 99, you, mm-hmm. you guys are. Um, you guys have watched for a long time. And I mean, even for me, seven years now, it's been a, not a lot more losing, but when, there, was a, there was a lot of losing for a long time. And to, to turn that around and, and be where we're at now, um, it's, it's obviously taken time and it's been a process, but um, just not to be satisfied with that because we, we want to keep keep getting better um, every game, as you guys know, and, and knowing coach pretty well we we can find some things usually every game that we're we're not very good at or that we haven't done well that game and coach will show them to us and, and be honest about stuff with us and and i think it's a the, the best process for us to, to keep keep winning and, and i guess staying focused on winning and um kind of not getting ahead of ourselves and we we get total we went on that streak and everyone was you can read stuff about people saying the schedule wasn't that tough, and, and obviously now we've got some some of the top teams in the conferences, and so we just stay focused on that that one game at a time, and um, yeah, just keep getting better each game, um, and I think we've been able to do that. And that's not easy to do, to stay focused like you're speaking of, and you acknowledge that, hey, you did hear, well, you weren't playing some of the top teams, and now going forward you have a pretty good stretch with starting with Milwaukee, obviously, and the Clippers a couple of times, the Lakers, the Sixers. So how do you approach that on the other end to try to stay focused and not think, oh, man, we've got this set of games that we come out of here, we can really just shut up everybody that we're really that good. Yeah, I mean, it, it honestly doesn't, from our standpoint, obviously, as, as players and coaches and the guys that are um, kind of in that inner sanctum, so to say, like, we, we honestly don't, we don't sit in the locker room and talk about the next five games or who we're playing or if player X has been playing really well leading up to our game or whatever it is. It's just a, it's kind of like a really locked in feeling of like, guys, like we, we know what we need to do as the jazz to, to play well. And obviously if we play the style and the way we want to play as the jazz, we feel like we can um, obviously compete and beat any team that's, that, that comes to Utah or that, that we go and visit. So um, there's obviously adjustments and game plans and stuff like that that, that comes with every game, but um, the, the, the style and the, the way we want to play, we feel like well, obviously we can we can match it with with and beat anyone that's, that's in the league. So um, these will be great challenges. I mean, I will, everyone everyone looks at the schedule at some point and you look at it like yeah, you know the the teams that are coming in and. Um, yeah, you just obviously the the first one comes up, and you you focus on that and figure out the best best thing and and the best way we need to play to to be able to win that one. And like I said, go home and get some rest and and come back the next day and, and do it again for for whoever's coming up next. So um, it's kind of a I guess more of a short term approach than than long. But we also know flip side of that winning ten in a row or, or losing three in a row, or whatever you can do in this this league. 
um, you've got to be kind of short-minded because you you are. You either have another game the next day and you need to back it up with a another good performance or you just got smacked or whatever and you, you need to fix it before in, in 24 hours before the next game. So um, we've, we've got a great group that, that, that stays focused on that and, and obviously a, a great coaching staff that helps with that. You know, staying focused on that, it's an easy thing to say. It's a, it's a really hard thing to do because you talk about those Jazz teams in the 90s and there's like a five-year run where they probably won 73 74% of the games. It was, it was crazy how much they won. And of the games they lost, a lot of those they lost because just the, the boredom, the routine of it all, you know, the trout. They didn't lose because of talent. They didn't lose because they weren't good enough. For they sure. lost because they lost track of the details and just the mind-numbing slew of games you have to play. And I'm curious because Quinn's asking you to do a hard thing, <clears throat> but you're really good at it. And so it comes down to can you stay focused and, and sustain it? And that is pushing the ball and taking the quick three. It's a lot of energy. It's more trips up and down the court in the course of the game. It's easy to turn and jog down court, but you can't. you got to <laughs> run, you know? And, and you're big guys. That I mean, people underestimate how hard it is for a 6'9 or a 7-foot guy to change ends of the floor that many times at that top speed. When did you really get dedicated to it? When did Quinn pitch you on it and you really bought in and thought, he's right, this will work. We can really... We can really beat teams doing this. We can beat a lot of teams. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the uh, most common theme clip that I'm in, um, not sprinting up the court either way. Um, my top speed maxes out pretty low. So, um, I mean, it's. I mean, I mean, you guys know, and, and obviously kind of the, the fans that have been really locked in for, for the last seven years with, with Quinn. Like we, we haven't played this way since I've been here. Six years this is the seventh for me. So the first time really, obviously the defensive end is, is pretty similar. We, we know what's successful for us um, on, on that end of the floor. Um, but, but we haven't shot and played the, the, I guess like you said, the speed, the pace, mm-hmm. the quick shots. Um, and then on the to kind of add on to that, the offensive rebound, we haven't, haven't attacked the glass like that since, since I've been here too. So I think, like every now and then you'd see in the past like someone would sneak in there and, and maybe get an offensive rebound. Obviously Rudy and Fave and the, the bigs that have been here you obviously kind of um, rely on getting a couple just because they're down in the paint a lot but I mean Royce crashes every time Donovan's getting in there like Mike gets in there if he takes a shot in the paint it's a, a good chance for him to try and sneak one if he if he misses it and, um, I think when we first were sitting there talking about kind of in preseason how we wanted to play and what they thought was successful and or would be successful. Not not that anyone doubted it, but it was like, yeah, it's gonna like uh, me and Rudy uh, have been here the whole time. It's just a, a different way, obviously, to to think about how we're playing. Like I now it's natural almost. Like I, I know if I can get out and run to the corner, there's a really good chance Donovan's going to be able to break the pain and I'm going to get a wide open three. And if it's 20 on the clock or two on the clock, Quinn wants me to, to shoot it, which is an awesome feeling, obviously, as a player, for, for everyone to know that your coach and, and the whole coaching staff is like almost yelling, like, shoot it, as the ball's coming to you because they, they have so much belief in, in that style and obviously the, the players we have out there to, to shoot the ball. And um, I mean, there's. I think it happened last game, but I, I know it's happened this year. We have 
three, four offensive rebounds in a row, and I think we shoot, we've shot threes on every time we've got. Like we've, Rudy's got it kicked it out. I've shot it. I've missed it. Royce gets it, kicks out. Donovan shoots it. Someone else misses and rebounds it. Throws it to Boyan and he hits it. And we, we haven't played that way. And everybody's bought into it. And obviously, with our record now and and what we do on the defensive end, it's obviously a. It gets us more possessions and more possessions to shoot threes, and, and obviously threes are a, a good thing in the NBA when you've got whatever five, six guys that shoot at a high percentage. So, um, I mean, it's hard. It's like you said. Sorry for the long-winded answer, but it's like you said. Like it, it's a dedication and a hard way to play. Like to, to sprint up and down the floor that often, um, and. To, like to shoot the three, and then if if I shoot from the corner in front of the bench, I've got to sprint all the way back to the opposite corner to pick up Jalen Brown or, or whatever the matchup is. So um, it's a commitment from our team, and, and we've made that commitment, and I think we've done a, a really good job of it so far. But we're what one third of the way through the year, so we, we've we've got to keep it up. But uh, yeah, if it's, if it's working, we're obviously going to keep doing it. So you cracked me up on Sunday when you laughed at Donovan for not getting that rebound and not getting that triple-double. So I was laughing at you laughing at Donovan. And my thought for you as I saw that was, okay, you guys are starting to win. You got, you've got tied the franchise record for best starts. All sorts of publicity is going to come your way. How as important is it now as the pressure ramps up to make sure you guys have these fun, lighthearted moments? Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, win-lose, win, I think we've done a, a pretty good job, and obviously coach is a big part of that, of of really just kind of staying the course of, like, my first year winning 20 games or, or this year winning 20 already. Um, that, like, kind of, like, long process, but, but we have to enjoy it. I mean, it's, I've said, I think in every post-game interview I've had this year, how good a group of guys we've got, and not just like good guys that do the right, like, but, but fun guys. Like, we, we really enjoy each other's company. It's why JC was so quick to come back. It's why Faye wanted to come back. Um, we, we've got, so, like, it's, it's, and it's, I know fans, like, I, I've read tweets before, like, man, you guys just look like you have so much fun together. Like, uh, and it, uh, I think, I think a lot of teams can look like that. Like, you can look like you enjoy your teammate. Like, playing well together and smiling and whatever, but we actually genuinely, like, our locker room is hilarious. Our plane rides are hilarious. Like, we have such different personalities and guys and every, everyone legitimately from 1 to 18 or how many players are on a roster now gets along really well. Like, it's such a it's such a fun group to be around and, and things happen on the court that are funny and that are, that are fun. And, they, like, I mean, it's... It would have been great for Donovan to get a triple-double, but it's also hilarious that he missed the by one rebound. Like, <laughs> just, like, just go and get one more rebound. Like, it's not that hard. Um, so, it's yeah, I mean, we, we really enjoy our time together. And honestly, I think uh, I, I'm i a big believer that that pay, plays a big part in, in your chemistry and the way you play on court. We've had it with the Australian team for since 2007 when I first made the team, like, when you have such a good dude, group of guys that enjoy each other's company and have one common goal of, of trying to trying to win, um, it, it makes it very fun. And I mean, when Shaq makes comments like that, and Donovan's first response is that he hates that it's taken away from a good win from our team. Like he didn't address the comments; he addressed that he wanted it to be about our group. 
um, that that's pretty special to me. So um, yeah, we have we have a we have a lot of fun. It's it's good times. So uh, I'm curious, you know, people wonder about the day-in and day-out life of an NBA player. And certainly we all watched that Sunday game with the Pacers, and you guys are really dragging. It was the third game in less than 72 hours and all that. And I'm wondering uh, what, when you see the schedule and you realize I have a day where I don't play a game and I don't fly, like how much energy do you get back when you have one day like that, or now you're going through the stretch where you have a couple days where you're not flying or playing? How much does that, you know, re-energize you? Because obviously you don't always, you're not always dragging like you were that day in Indiana, and and we talked about how you found a way to win a different way, which is really important. But how long before you really get the energy back, and what does one day mean without a plane flight or a game? Yeah, I mean it's really actually just said to Renee this morning, I was like, it's really bizarre that we're not playing tonight. Like, we haven't really had this kind of stretch. And it's obviously only two days or whatever it is, but um, just bizarre. Like, in my mind, I was, like, waking up this morning thinking we were playing just because that's typically how the schedule goes. And um, it is nice. I, I think it just gives you an extra day for, for everything to, obviously, like, for me and Renee and, and our family to, to have another day where I get to put the kids to bed and have dinner with them and, and that kind of stuff is is obviously really like stuff that I really enjoy doing. So to to be able to to be able to sit there and um, give Miller and, and Jacob and Jack a kiss goodnight at actually their bedtime and not at three o'clock in the afternoon before going to a game. Um, it is something that I, I really enjoy. So that, that part of it's awesome. Um, and, and then just, yeah, the, the recovery of your body to, to be able to have that time. Um, as um, crazy as people probably think that we can just play every day because we get paid a lot of money to play basketball, your, your body gets extremely kind of beat up over the time. So, um, yeah, just the, the, the day of recovery, like you said, not flying, being able to, to, to sleep in your own bed for, for another night. Um, all, all of those things combined, to be able to have dinner yourself with, with your wife or, or girlfriend or whoever's at home with you. Um, obviously, we still come in. We, we came in yesterday for a little bit. We, we'll have a, a bit of a practice today um, and get what we need to get done um, heading into to tomorrow's game. But it is, it, it is very refreshing to be able to get those extra couple nights in your own bed and, and in your own house where obviously you're, you're very comfortable. So Mike was out, and you respond, particularly against the Celtics, with a, a high point total. You get to the line. I don't know if it was your NBA career record for most attempts, probably close. Was it a conscious it effort or just sort of happen as the game unfolds? Um. I mean, I've never in my life gone into a game thinking I need to get to the free throw line, which is probably why I never get to the free throw line. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, it just a, yeah, I think like just the kind of the, the course of the game. Um, we were lucky. I think I said it. They asked me after the game the other night. Like, I think it was the second or third quarter. We had like six and a half, seven minutes of free throws, and then in the last quarter, we I think we were both in there pretty early, but we were a few minutes before them. Um, so it's just not a, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I've never. Uh, it's crazy because you, you see it all the time. Like Chris Paul, as soon as they get in the bonus, they run 
this one action where he gets it on the wing and he swings his arms through and he gets free throws. Like it's a, a conscious effort for him and yeah. to, to get to the free throw line. It, it slows the game down for whatever the scenario is. He gets to the line. Maybe his team needs that kind of break in the play or he needs to get going, whatever it is. And, and he obviously consciously thinks about it, which is, it's really a hell of a play. If you think about it, it's just a very smart thing to do. Um, I'm probably thinking about way too many other things than that at the moment, but um, yeah, I just yeah, I was I was trying to play in the flow of our our, our game. Obviously, I had, I set a post game. Obviously, with with Mike out, I had the ball in my hands a little bit more and some more opportunities to, to create. And I was able to get in the paint a couple of times and draw some fouls. A couple of them were kind of touch fouls that that was just coincidentally that they were in in, in the the bonus already. But um, yeah, just a bit more of a I guess a a lucky coincidental thing than me trying to um, trying to think about it, but we do talk about it, I guess in in timeouts of like, hey, we're in the bonus with five minutes to go. Like, let's obviously we want to shoot threes, but we also want to attack the paint. So if we can hit Rudy and he can he can get a finish and get fouled, or we can get someone else to the line in the flow of the game, it's obviously a, 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 an easy two points, and it's uh, it kind of like like I said about the Chris Paul thing, it kind of kind of breaks the play up for a little bit. You, you get a bit of a break and you, you figure it out what you're doing next. You get to set your defense. Um, so it is a it is a good play as well. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, I, I definitely don't ever consciously think about it. Well, just know, Joe, that it's not just your teammates and your coach who have confidence in you in that corner three. Your listeners, <laughs> our listeners, but your listeners on your show were pretty pumped to see you shooting 11 threes against Boston. They, they believe you're going to knock down a, a pretty high percentage of those, which you, you've done a couple times this year, and, and both times you've knocked down a high percentage. So let it fly. That is the message from our listeners. As, uh, and I believe, uh, too. That's right. We, and PK, I do believe, too. I'm a believer. <laughs> Joe, I uh, believe. No more, no more passing. I'm shooting every time I throw There you go. Yeah. Let, it, let it fly. Fire All right, Joe, I know you gotta go, uh, you got to go face the swab. We don't want to keep you from that. Good grief, man. That's got to be the highlight I'm of your I'm sitting day. here now looking at, looking at people get swabbed through the window, and I know I'm about to be that person in about 30 seconds. <laughs> there you go. All right. Joe, thanks for the time. Good luck, and we will talk to you again next week. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. There's the one, the only, Joe Ingles, and he joins us every week. Jazz and Joe, back at it tonight, the Milwaukee Bucks. Hey, Yuck, what time is that game? Is that at 7 or at 8? It's at 7? Oh, yeah, it is. That's because I'm working at Channel 2 tonight. It was 8 o'clock games. I can't do postgame for the 8 o'clock games. You just have to take it live if we get it at all. And sometimes that post game is going until like 11.30 at night, these late games. 7 o'clock tonight. Nice, normal time slot and everything. Jazz and the Bucks. Good game tonight. Two of the top five teams in the league. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us. <laughs> Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. He drives, fakes the pass, gets caught in the air, holds the pass, gives to Rudy, dunks. Wow, what a play by Mike Conley to stay with it. Donovan, second half, 20 points on 9 of 11 shooting. Crosses to Bogdanovich and fires the three over Lopez. Wow! Utah, 
14, Milwaukee 96. 7.46 to play. The Jazz are trucking the Bucks right now. Rebound comes to the Jazz. Left side, O'Neal. Wide open three. Rolls Royce. And the Jazz are up 119-102. And that one should put a Jazz note on it tonight. There's David Locke with the highlights. It's the Jazz 1 in Milwaukee tonight. The return match, it is Milwaukee and the Jazz right here in Utah. Second and final meeting of the regular season. Two of the top five teams in the NBA by record. So this one's intriguing. Mike Conley will miss tonight's game due to hamstring tightness. It's forced him to miss the past two games. PK was a back-to-back, so I never thought they were going to turn him loose for a back-to-back off this. I don't even know if they're going to turn him loose you know, this week or how much longer he's going to be out. But I wouldn't think it, whenever he comes back, I wouldn't think he's coming back for a back-to-back. But Jazz have been good in this stretch without uh, a player, whether it was Ingles or Mitchell or Conley. They have survived all of that and kept rolling. Oh, I think it's like when you miss the show. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? No, because I miss the show. But I assume you mean that you keep rolling. The station keeps rolling, not me individually, because it's like Mitchell with Joe Ingles yesterday and this morning. You know, when Shaq attacked him, Mitchell made it about the team. Same type of principle. Where do you think Mitchell will learn that? Ah, you. We all go to the mountaintop <laughs> with you. All right, the Bucks game do something for you. This is the stretch. The best teams yeah. in the NBA. This is it. How good are they? It's still not like the playoffs because the prep time and the repeat games and all that, but it's the best we get during the regular season. Well, I think the way that the Jazz are playing now, every game does something for me. When you're 20 and 5 and 15 out of 16 or 16 out of 17, how long can you continue it? So we're we're in the stretch right now where every game, beyond the fact that for me it's requirement for work, set that aside. Just as a basketball fan, which I am, I want to see how long can this team continue to play like this. Where's this team going? Now we still have a while to determine where's the where's it going to end. How's it going to end? Does it end in the, in the title? Does it end in you know, whatever round and all that stuff? But I am intrigued every single game now because it's about the Jazz most of the time. Now when you add a big time opponent with a big time player, well then yeah that it increases the intrigue. In these next two games here, Friday, Saturday, we're having storms. I mean, what else are you going to do as far as I'm concerned? I got nothing else to do that takes precedent right now. I got Giannis coming in. I got Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, uh, I believe, is a superstar. I said that yesterday. He had a superstar game last night. So every one of these games has got me. Milwaukee tonight, Miami tomorrow, and Philly on Monday. And Milwaukee and Philly are running 1-2 in the East right now, and Miami is off to a terrible start, but that is because they have been hit hard by injuries. Butler's been out, but now he's back. Dragic has missed a bunch of games. Myers Leonard is out for the season. I haven't even begun to scratch the surface. Well, I guess I've begun to scratch the surface, but they've missed a lot of guys. But a better opponent now on Saturday. You know, sometimes you catch teams. Yeah, don't the get right caught side. up. You got caught up there in the. In the you got there caught up is. there for a second. I untracked I haven't myself. All, I haven't begun. Yeah, I and mean, just you know, settle, settle. Come on, go <laughs> crazy. Uh, Miami will be coming in on a four-game win streak. So, although their record isn't spectacular at uh, eleven and fourteen, it's uh, on the upward trend now that they're getting their guys back. 
DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Butler up top, guarded by Tate. Works his way into the paint, lays it up and in. Jimmy Butler now with 20, and he's putting his stamp on this quarter. Jalen Brown leads the break, shovel lead for Ojale, who steps around a man and lays it in. New career high, 24 for Shemi Ojale. Celtics by 14 with 3.05 to go. Outlet to Mello. He has the last five points for the Blazers. Another three, another make! Mello is on fire! And the Blazers lead it 102-97. Doc Rivers wants timeout. Curry to the timeline. Waits, dribbles, hook pass to Draymond outside the arc. Back to Curry. Quick release from the left wing. Splash for Curry! That's three, number 10 on the night. There's some highlights from some of the games around the league, including Steph Curry going for 40 points as the Golden State Warriors beat the Orlando Magic 111-105. And before that, you heard Carmelo with the 24 points off the bench. Lillard had his 30. The Blazers beat the Sixers 118-114. Sixers will be here Monday. And you heard Jimmy Butler, triple-double, 27 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. And the Heat are here Saturday. Heat beating the Rockets 101 to 94. Which of those games catch in your eye? Well, I already spoke of Jimmy Butler. Uh, I believe he's a superstar in this league. And I don't care what Miami's record is. It's Jimmy Butler's team. And when Jimmy Butler plays, uh, I can't even begin to scratch the surface to tell you how good Miami is. So... They always get my attention when Jimmy Butler's playing, and then the Jazz are coming in here in a couple of days, or the Heat are coming in here a couple of days to play these teams. Uh, so that is something that, and I watched the uh, Philly uh, Portland game, and you can check when Lillard had that very decent. The Blazers are pretty good. Philadelphia's an interesting team to me, you know, just how good are they? I'm not really sure. I don't know that. Isn't that a little bit what the eastern side of the country is saying about us? They don't watch the west as close. They probably watch the eastern side. Philly's 18-8, and eight, which you know, the Jazz record is obviously better, but 18-8 and eight is the same record. I like as the that, man. And we take them seriously. About time you've come aboard. Isn't that what the eastern part of the country is saying about us? <laughs> yeah, you and Locke. Wait. <laughs> nice. We, us, our. <laughs> this makes no sense to me. Yak, he won't call the soccer ball club us, but he says the Jazz us. I'm at the oh, West how us, crazy but you can go that? with the Jazz. He's specified. <laughs> the East Coast Everybody bias. took it I as us. My whole freaking life. Lean into a DJ. Be the, the Chargers homer. always underestimated. The Padres. And now, never now discussed on ESPN. Now you're going to try to talk about. It. You think the people in the East are underestimating us in the West? Can yes. you use that West? Oh yeah, all the time. Why do you think it's the I ninety five show? Why do you think it's the I ninety five show? How do you talking know? about the Wizards all the time? Because they live in Washington, right? Why would you People ask me a question East that's so about obvious the all the time and ignore the West? That, that doesn't, that doesn't mean LeBron you underestimate anybody. Oh, I think they do all the time. That does that. How do you know? You haven't even lived there. You wouldn't have any idea. Because I can You're watch like their these shows. White affluent liberals who tell me about how stuff is, and they have no. They live behind gates and and up in the hills. They have no idea what life is like in the valley, so to speak. Come on, Damn you said us because you meant the. It's okay. We accept it. 
We're homers. It's all right. I would just ask that you provide the same opportunity for the team that you deeply love, and that's the soccer ball club. That's all. The Toronto Raptors will play the entirety of this season in Tampa, Florida. They announced yesterday the franchise cited border restrictions and being mindful of public safety measures in Toronto as factors that prevent them from returning home to play at any point this season. That's not true. Yeah, they won't play the entirety of the season. They'll only play their home games there. Regardless, Thank they're goodness for Walter Cronkite, man. DJ and PK. Misleading the people. Hashtag college basketball. Utah gets the win at Cal. It wasn't pretty. They flung the door wide open in the final minute, but Cal just couldn't walk through it and take that game, could they? No. Utah two for six at the free throw line in the final minute, plus a key turnover in the final second. But they got away with it. Cal missed the game-tying free throw, missed the game-winning shot, then missed the game-tying free throw, and the youth survived 76-75. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that key enough. They didn't lose the game. Uh, the Cian Martinez kid is catching my eye. Uh, uh, Larry Kristobiak was really right to hire the kid's father the year before. Smart move. He came off the bench with 16 points. That's a career high for him. A lot of you fans hoping that is not the career high for long. Top that. As I look at this team, if everybody comes back, and that's an if, because obviously that's an if in in the business, and it's specifically an if for Utah. And I think we've been allowing them a little bit of a too much of an if. Well, because everybody jumps off the cliff, if I jump off the cliff, somehow it isn't as bad. I have a little bit of a problem with that logic when you're not going to the NCAA tournament and you have a program that is built and you're paying a guy that much money to go to the NCAA tournament. I understand where they're coming from, but it rings a little, not entirely hollow, but it rings a little bit hollow. But if they keep all their guys... They've got an opportunity to have a good team. Now, I know we've been saying this, it seems like, for four years in a row. And I'm saying it again. And so I'm just as guilty if I criticize, well, yeah, here we go again, saying that. Because I'm saying it. Giacoletti got fired for missing the tournament twice. And Boylan got fired for missing the tournament three times. And this is going to be the fifth year in a row they missed the tournament. But next year could break the streak. I, I, I know. I really feel like the football's yeah. getting pulled away from me and I'm falling on my back again. And I can't argue when you say that. Yeah. But as I look at the team, there's no senior contributors. Uh, well, Plummer is yeah. a senior, right? Right. And it's uh, it's so the you know in, in basketball you need your star player, but you need a guy or two to go with him. It's always what you talk about with Portland, right? Lillard's got to have his thirty. Somebody's got to go with him. Now usually it's McCollum, but it's Carmelo Anthony last night with you know McCollum's missed a bunch of games. And with the Utes. Timmy Allen has been a reliable scorer, and he got 18. Now, he missed some free throws down the stretch. He missed a lot of free throws down the stretch, but he still led him with the 18. And, you know, against Colorado, it was Plummer. Against Cal, it's Martinez, and he's somebody to go with him. But the, the points have been hard to come by. And like you said, they got to get all these guys back, and Plummer obviously is a senior, so is a J.C. transfer guy. He's done, so... Maybe Martinez can develop into that second consistent score, and then they start to bring somebody else along. But that's assuming well, you've that got pl- they got plenty of guys. Back. They got the foreign guys. They got Carlson. I mean, those guys—they all have their moments. So, uh, I, I'm telling you, DJ, if they don't make it next year, then oh, I've had it. Okay, <laughs> okay, that's good. 
We're going to draw a line in the sand here, and then we're going to draw another line in the sand over there. I didn't draw it. You drew it then then we're this year. Yeah. I didn't draw it. I said last year that I wanted him, speaking of Larry, to get another season. So I didn't draw it last year. Yeah. Uh, it was a, a weird game in some respects. You know, they found a, w- a way to win, but they got badly out-rebounded in that game. And uh, mentioned Carlson, and, and there are flashes where you're hoping for high hopes for him, but uh, one rebound, and I saw that in the box score and thought, what would Rick Majerus have told PK? Well, he would have gone right there that uh, he had won more than a dead man. Yep. And, and sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that we know Majerus' style, and he demanded a lot. And those are the things he – it's almost like he overlooks scoring individually. Oh, yeah, he figured you're already you're already focused on that. I'm going to yell about the other stuff. Yeah. And getting out rebounded 31-21 and 10-5. to They weathered it against Cal, and now it's Stanford tomorrow night, 8 o'clock on the Pac-12 Networks. And the Utes have inched to the edge of a bye in the tournament, which isn't the same because now it's five teams getting byes instead of four. But they're almost there. They can, if they beat Stanford, they'll move into a, you know, be percentage points behind them in the race for the last bye in the conference. Well, Arizona so. isn't going. Right. That's why so there's an extra bye. There's they only need six teams to play in the first I, I have a hard time getting worked up judging that stuff this year. Yeah. So many teams with players in and out. Weber State lost in Missoula to Montana. Same two teams play tomorrow at 2.30. So the race there, Eastern Washington beat Montana State. So Eastern Washington's a game up on Southern Utah and a game and a half on Weber State and Montana State. Dixie State plays UVU and Orem in a back-to-back set tonight and tomorrow. They'll renew a rivalry that ended when they both, uh, they used to play when they were both in the junior college ranks. and Now they've both, both moved up, so they can go at it again. Sure. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. They don't call teams. Teams call them, and they've told everybody they're not trading Watson. Doesn't mean they won't do it eventually. I guarantee you if they did, it would not be for Carson Wentz and the Eagles. And they've said it publicly. They've said it privately that they are not trading Watson. And so anybody says they called the Eagles, uh, not true. If they trade him, it would be the Jets. So, no, they have not contacted anyone about trading Watson. That's John McClain right there, Houston Chronicle, talking about Deshaun Watson and his future with the Texans. We had him on the show a couple weeks ago. Seemed like in that bite right there, he cracked the door a little bit when we had him on the show. He wasn't willing to to say anything about him moving, you know, and if they move him eventually, it seemed like there, of course, there's been change in management since he was on our show, so there you go. That's a story we'll continue to watch. Yeah. Uh, Bucks quarterback Tom Brady undergoing a minor surgical procedure on his knee this offseason. Move Bruce Arians called a, a cleanup procedure. Minor surgery happens, happens to someone else, PK. Football players have a lot of minor surgery. You like to say that. Jacksonville Jaguars coach Urban Meyer defended his hire of former Iowa strength coach Chris Doyle. Doyle was accused of making racist remarks, belittling and bullying players at Iowa. Meyer defended the move, saying, I've had everyone on our staff, and like I said, the relationship goes back close to 20 years, and a lot of hard questions asked, a lot of vetting involved with our staff. We did a very good job vetting that one. The allegations that took place, I will say to the players, I vetted him. I know the person for close to 20 years, and I assure them there'll be nothing of any sort in the Jaguar facility. Didn't take long for Urban to get into the middle of controversy. That's also former University of Utah strength and conditioning coach, her, uh, Chris Doyle. It uh, spent a year there with the Utes. Uh, yeah, whatever on that. Uh, 
follow Iowa, so I have no idea. I think the bigger thing is that I think they announced their entire uh, coaching and additions, uh, the, the, the entire content is like 28 guys, and Morgan Scally isn't on that list. So uh, we know there have been discussions, but I think obviously Morgan has decided to stay here with Utah. I think locally that's the bigger story. I can't defend or criticize Chris Doyle because I have no idea. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. It's a surreal moment for me and something that I am very proud of, being able to sit here on this field and, you know, in the same place that I would come two times a year and, and watch all the Dodger games. So it's, uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty surreal for me right now. Trevor Bauer introduced formally in L.A., told reporters he's committed to being better on social media, being better on the field, being better in the clubhouse, and being better in life in general. Social media habits have brought accusations of online bullying. But he has signed for a tremendous pile of money in L.A., but not one of the long-term deals we've seen some players get short-term. And even though it's only a three-year deal, there's opt-outs in it, too. But it's still a $100 million deal, even though it's Yeah, it's over $30 million. I watched that yesterday. It was on the MLB Network. And he was sitting, uh, like, right where the grass would meet the dirt behind second base. And they were socially distancing with the, with the GM and all that. And he was taking basically which I guess you would call them Zoom questions on that. And that's been an issue because he's a local kid, played his college ball at UC Los Angeles. Garrett Cole was his teammate, and those two guys hate each other. Trevor Bauer has been an issue. Diamondbacks took him in the first round with, like, the top five pick. And right from the start, he the talent wasn't the issue. It was all this other stuff. And we know when Francona came out and took him out, he chucked the ball over the center field fence when he was with uh, Cleveland and they were playing in KC. And you can go look that up. So there's been all sorts of issues, and he likes to put himself out there on that social media. So maybe, you know, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, maybe that there's some maturity because when you're coming in, you're a youngster. And now he's not a youngster anymore. He's an older dude. And so how do you fit in? Because you can be a world-class talent. I don't think he's that level, but he's very good. But you've got to make sure that you fit in, too, because you're with these guys all the time. And you don't want to be drawing attention to yourself needlessly and create distractions for your ball club. Because when you look at it, you got Bueller and Bauer and uh, Kershaw at the top of your rotation. You know, you got an opportunity to do something again for the Dodgers. So he's got to find a way to make sure that uh, just basically do your job and keep your mouth shut and everybody will be fine. You don't have to be everybody's best friend, but don't be a knucklehead. Hard high, man. Growing up in the shadow of Magic Mountain. And now he's got a chance to be a Dodger star. Living the dream. Just don't mess it up. It really would be a dream. I know as a kid, I always dreamed of playing for the Dodgers. And, you know, you just give me some ability, and I would have done it. <laughs> Dodgers avoided arbitration with uh, Walker Bueller, agreed to a two-year, $8 million contract, and he got a $2 million signing bonus as part of the deal. So, Dinner's on Walker Bueller. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. No job too big or small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Yach had a plan. Already the plan is getting scrambled. Have you reorganized everything? 
Allegedly. All right, what are we doing? David Locke's going to join us next. Okay, he is. Excellent, Ben. And then Cody Fuger, uh, BYU assistant coach, will stay at his 8.30 slot. All right, there it is. David Locke talking jazz. Big weekend with Milwaukee, Miami, and then Philly coming in. Three games in four days. It's the Bucks tonight. David Locke is next. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. I like myself a good french fry with ketchup and mayo. I'm not talking about fry sauce. I'm talking about real mayo and real ketchup. Is yeah. that fry sauce? Uh, that's kind of what I was Te- thinking. Technically, I'm it is. I'm not talking about spaghetti and meatballs. I'm talking about spaghetti and meat. Walled in- up. <laughs> Europe had it before fry sauce ever showed up here. Yeah. Bite your tongue. Fry sauce started here, sir, with yeah. Arctic Circle. We created fry sauce, and we will own that in perpetuity. It's oh, different. they did it in Europe we, first. It tastes different. Separate than in Fry sauce. Next thing you know, Gordon's going to tell us Brigham Young didn't say this is the place, but uh, this is good enough. <laughs> Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Jerry Signer Cadillac. At Jerry Signer Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. Utah Jazz getting ready to host the Milwaukee Bucks. David Locke is going to join us in a minute. And PK, when they won 11 in a row, we said it couldn't last forever. And that after they lost, all right, well, you lost one, but don't let this turn into something. Get on another streak. They've rattled off five in a row. If I offered you two out of three right now on this weekend, would you take it? Or you no. want to try to shoot the, shoot the moon, run the table? Yeah. Why would, I, why would I accept defeat? That doesn't make any sense to me. If they don't lose now, will they ever lose? Oh shit! Sure, they will. I mean, that's that's a given. That's not not even worth discussing. Will they ever lose? Of course. But I'm not going to go into anything. I'm not. You're not going to hand me defeat, and I'm going to willingly accept it. If I get it and it happens, I want to make sure I go down, kicking, scratching, and all those cliches that go into it. And then you, the great thing about the NBA is this is a veteran ball club here. And I don't see any particular highs and lows because, as Joe said, he said those very words on our show, uh, put it aside because you you got another game. And the way the thing is, I mean, this month they play uh, 14 games in 28 days. And he said yesterday it's so weird that they didn't have a game yesterday Mm -hmm. because they're so used to playing. And if you do the math, and obviously they're playing every other day, and in this case they've got two days off, but then they follow it up with three out of four. Time to bring in the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. His weekly interview brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Hey, David James, Patrick Kinahan, bright and early in the morning. Such a pleasure to talk with you. How are you? Excellent, David. How are you? I'm great. All right, J- up this morning. <laughs> uh, you know, we're all up and we're all excited about what we're about to talk about. There's much less 7.30 in the morning commute than there used to be. There's much less commute than there used to be. You could plug yeah, in I 7.45, just, 8, 8.15. I just drove down and to get tested and don't didn't see anyone. Now I'm just driving through a blizzard. Good times. What's up? 
So the Jazz and the Bucks, you often talk about, uh, and you're not this year, obviously, but in the past when you would fly with the team, you'd talk about you could tell by how you felt how they were likely to play. And obviously the Jazz were dragging in Indiana. But when you've got uh, one game in four days and no plane flights Monday through Thursday, do they have their legs back? Do you think we see one of the better shooting games? Because it's been a little off here the last couple games, and you can write that off to fatigue. But do you think they're back tonight? Uh, it, your logic is right. I have no idea how they feel. I feel great. I haven't been on a plane all year. Like It's incredible how the lack of travel changes everything about how you feel. Um, and even my voice is not as tired as it usually is. Like It's, it's really interesting. Um, the... Milwaukee Bucks play a certain style defensively. They are going to protect the rim at all costs, um, no matter what. They're going to let you shoot threes. Not quite let you in the sense that they're just like daring you to shoot them, but they're certainly, you know, they're certainly allowing a lot of threes. And there's a magic number. Milwaukee has not lost a game all year where the opponents have shot below 42% from three. It's a crazy high number. But they are undefeated, I think, 19-0 or not. That's not quite right. Something like that. 17-0 or something. When, they, when someone shoots below 42%. So you have to have, they're going to give you threes. We're going to get 50 of them tonight. And we have to make 23, 24, 25 to be them. Wow, you believe they've got to shoot 50% in order to win the game from three? So Milwaukee's the number one offense in the NBA. And so the math that Milwaukee has figured out is that if we don't let you shoot at the rim, which last year they only allowed 29% of their shots at the rim, then we don't lose unless you have an unusually high, good shooting night. And so, you know, that's that's really what... They've built their entire defense on. They've changed it ever so slightly this year, but not really. And so teams get, I think they're probably about 26 in the league in denying the three, and they're 28 in the league defending the three. Um, but that, you know, that is, that that's their style. The math works for them unless it's one of those nights where someone gets hot. David Locke joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So Mike Budenholzer, the Bucks coach, was in the Spurs organization. He was an assistant from 1996 to 2013. Obviously, we've seen the Jazz go to the Spurs organization, Dennis Lindsay, Quinn Snyder, right on down the line. How much have these guys diverged after they've left, and how much do you really see the Spurs imprint on them? And it's a little bit like looking in the mirror here. And where have they diverged? You know, that's a great question, DJ, because I actually think, well, the game's evolved, and I think you have what what was what is unique to Mike Woodenholzer and Quinn Snyder is their own independence and their own intelligence. Um, Mike Woodenholzer is a sage hen out of Pomona, one of the elite schools in the country as a Division three player, and we all know Quinn's, you know, academic background as well as just being around him. So I think they've diverged quite considerably over the time and as they've gotten their personnel and as they've worked with their teams. There's, I'm sure there's some you know, basketball principles that are similar, but if you kind of just dig in, 
you know, both of them have embraced the three at a much higher level, though San Antonio did embrace it quite a bit for a while, you know, in there. Um, the pop is of the non-offensive rebounding school. Both Pudholzer and Snyder put the offensive rebound back into their op- into their game plans. Um, uh, Milwaukee really runs. They they run run run. So they play the most possessions in the NBA in transition, probably because Giannis is not as good in the half court. Um, Quinn's trying to integrate the fast break more this year than he ever has before. Um, and, you know, into that to get early threes. Um, so I think they've actually diverged quite a bit from on maybe on the, the edges, because I bet you if I knew more about basketball and I got in the core, you would say it's similar. I, I think, you know, the fact that Quinn Snyder is going to be upset with Rudy if his right foot's not at the right angle on a pick is a very Popovichian style of coaching that I'm sure Mike Woodenholzer holds as well. So we watch the Lakers and these two teams here at the top of the conference and at the top of the league. And so I'm looking around yesterday on the Internet, and I come across this blogger. Now, he's a Laker blogger, so take that for what it's worth. But he lists three reasons why the Lakers shouldn't be concerned about the Jazz. And he puts LeBron over here. But LeBron's a reason everybody should be concerned about everything at all times. But he goes beyond that for a second. And he says Anthony Davis goes off against Rudy Gobert. And in the four games last season against the Jazz, Davis averaged 30 points, 8 three-point boards, 2.3 assists, 51% from the floor. And he says, uh, sure, Gobert will get his 13 and 10 per night, but he's not someone the Lakers really need to be concerned about. So I want you to comment on that. And then he also addresses backcourt defense of the Jazz is weak. And then he gives the uh, depth angle favorable to the Lakers. And those are his three reasons. Could you respond to those? I I don't read Laker bloggers. Hence, that's Um, why I brought it up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Who was it? Uh, I can go back and check and tell you it's somebody uh, by the name of Jason Reed. Now, I have a friend who works for ESPN by the name of Jason Reed, but it's spelled all – it's not. It's not. This is a white guy. My friend is an African-American. Right. And he's, yeah, this new, this um, new one spells his name R-E-E-D. My buddy spells it R-E-I-D. I know the Jason Reed you speak of. Um, so, I mean, Anthony Davis is one of the great players in the NBA. So I'd have to know a lot more than Anthony Davis's box score line against Rudy when Anthony Davis has not tapped out of games against Rudy Gobert. He's been pretty good. Um, he's he missed an awful lot of games against them. Um, I mean, Andrew Davis is great. So, I mean, I, like, I don't really know how to answer the question because if I was really honest, if you told me, like, I just on our Locked On Podcast Network pool, we had to do who we thought was going to win the title, and I put the Lakers. Uh-huh. So, like, I still think the Lakers are going to win the title. They have two of the five best players in the world. They've got the greatest player ever to play the game. Um, who's still stunningly playing 40 minutes a night at like 63 years old and is playing at a super high level and has now become almost Jordan-esque in the sense that he makes every shot he has to. Um, they're they're really long. They're really physical. They're really good. I mean, they're the best defensive team in the league. I think we'll have a really hard time getting our threes against them. I think we'll have a really hard time if they hug to our shooters getting, you know, Rudy rolling to the rim or our guards getting our small guards getting scoring over their sides. So um, 
I don't know who Jason Reed is, but I don't think, um, you know, comparing Anthony Davis's scoring to Rudy Gobert's is not very bright, but um, the premise of what he's saying doesn't sound like it's outlandish. David Locke, join us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's not only the Bucks tonight. It, Can I throw, I'll throw the other side of that story, by the way. Okay. Is that if for some reason we can get our threes off against them, we could put the Lakers into a real math problem. They don't shoot a lot of threes, and they don't shoot them well. They've had a lot of nights below 33% shooting. So if we can get out and run, play. The key to what we've got to do is be unselfish early in possession, not get caught into the game where you're playing the pounded, slow down, late game. Oh, it's Donovan versus LeBron. We lose that game. Like, oh, we'll give our possessions to Donovan. You give yours to LeBron and AD. We're in trouble. We lose that. But like we did the other night against the Celtics, where we're throwing it ahead to Boyan. Clarkson missed a three with seven off the shot clock. Ingles missed a three with, like, five off the shot clock. I actually don't care they didn't make those shots. The fact that Donovan was willing to make the passes as the star on the team and say, go ahead and shoot that and send that message, if that can hold all season, that's how we beat the Lakers because we can go get up possession, up the floor fast enough, get off the threes, not get caught by that length I talked about, not get caught in that half-court set, and then get 43, 45 threes off, um, preferably even more, and they're taking 22, 24, and making 33%, they're, they, they've got a math problem. The Clippers actually bother me more than the Lakers from that standpoint. The Clippers shoot the three as well as we do and are taking a lot. We're going to have a hard time having a math edge on the Clippers. All of this is why Quinn Snyder is, is trying to get the team in the habit of running so they don't face – the set defense, and they don't face uh, some of the uh, taller lineups that can be thrown against them when they're playing a shorter backcourt. And so isn't that why we're seeing this emphasis on running and shooting early in the clock? Make it a habit now so it's second nature when you get to the playoffs because that's where you could have an edge? Yes, and that final five minutes last night was was one he will, uh, against Boston, is one he will talk back to the team about probably. They will probably see that final five minutes a lot between now and then. Do you want to go There's ahead? That, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I guess I was trying to say it before. So, I, I mean, if you think about Boston late in the game, it was Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown on every possession, except for the one where Rudy cuts off Jason, Jalen Brown and gives it to Tristan Thompson because he has no other choice. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not trying to say they're selfish. That's their job. So this is not a criticism of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, but they, they didn't really want to give Daniel Tice a shot at that point. And they didn't really want to give Tristan Thompson a shot or Kemba Walker a shot. Like, that's, that's not what they're doing at that point. We did the opposite in that five minutes. We, we thrust the ball ahead up the floor early. Donovan leaves it behind for Joe for the big three. But I think the misses in that stretch were equally as important. The three misses were against a zone defense that Donovan's a point guard. Boyan kind of slashes the zo- into the middle. The zone collapsed. The quick kick out. Boyan collapsed while pointing at Jordan Clarkson to say to Donovan, like, as I do this, he's going to be open. Donovan gives it to Jordan. Jordan quick release three. He didn't make it. That's actually kind of irrelevant. Like, uh, they'll eventually go in. Joe Ingles on a, on a transition possession before the big one everyone has talked about yesterday took an early three and missed. And then Don, the one late possession was the Jazz thrust the ball ahead. Rudy sprinted the floor, which is the key to everything. Boston had to collapse defensively, so everyone was mismatched because the Jazz had thrust the ball ahead so much. 
Tristan Thompson ended up on Donovan, so then they brought it back out for Donovan to go one-on-one on Tristan Thompson. He missed the shot as well. But those three misses are all – first, they were all threes, which I think is good. And secondly, secondarily is that they all pushed it ahead, created early opportunities, and got out of that kind of half-court set. But also, it wasn't just, oh, we're in the final five minutes of close game. It's Donovan's turn, and only Donovan's turn. And what is going to make us great is the willingness to continue to do that throughout the year, even when the sphincters get tighter and the games get, you know, you know, more high profile, is to still play that same way. How much do you view this upcoming schedule as it turns tougher as a barometer? I'm going to quote the great Kevin Pelton of ESPN, if I may. I called him the other night, I think when we beat Indiana, and just said, what, what do you think's going on here? And he said, you're elite offensively and you're elite defensively. So therefore, you're going to win a lot of games in different ways. And you'll have stretches in every game where you're good at both and you'll run away from people. But you're not winning 95% of the rest of your games. That's really it. Like, we've established that we're great on both ends of the ball. But, like, we're not winning another six, seven, what is it, 16 of 17? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not happening again. Like, let's be honest. So, at some point, we're going to start losing basketball games because that's how it works. And we're playing an inordinate amount of games. And Mike Conley's injury means Joe Ingles is playing too many minutes. And Donovan Mitchell's got a higher burden. And guys are going to start wearing out. And we're going to get into It's why when you evaluate teams for the playoffs, you should always go back and look and see what their, state, what their record was 20 games into the season, not the middle 20 or the last 20. Because the first 20 is always a better indicator of playoff success than what you'll see, than you see late because teams start to wear down and rest and bit nicks and, and it's going to happen. Like that's, that's what's, that's the next stage we're moving into in the season is the fatigue, the fatigue grind age. And we're playing great and we have such a tremendous math advantage over everybody that we're going to win a lot of games and we're a lead on both ends of the floor. But at some point we're going to start losing. Like could be two losses to Clippers and those guys not falling. We lose both games to the Clippers. Um, you know, it could be we lose tonight to Milwaukee because we shoot 38% from three instead of 44, which we have to shoot. Um, and Miami on a back-to-back, and Philadelphia, Joel Embiid will be a heck of a game. I'm not totally sold on Philly. So, um, though, you know, Ben Simmons, is we got six-foot-one guards. Ben Simmons is really hard for us. So we're almost out of time, but delve into Philly a little bit because obviously we're not going to talk to you until after all these games. Uh, is it as simple as the, the Simmons matchup and his size is a nightmare for the Jazz? Is there something else you're watching yeah, I mean, for? We're so obsessed with the fact that he doesn't shoot threes that we've stopped talking about how great he is at all the things he does. So, I mean, he can just get to the ball, to, and he can get the ball to any spot on the floor at any time with his size and his handle. And that it just makes it really, really hard to defend them. It just bends who they are. The fact that he can, you know, bend who you are defensively. He can get anywhere he wants at any moment on the floor at any time. And he can do it in transition, you know, in a really unstoppable fashion. So he, he and then Joel Embiid has been great. Now, you know, there's a flu that occasionally runs through the NBA called Gobertitis. I don't think Joel Embiid will get it, but you never know. It could, it could strike. Um, and so we'll see what happens. I think that the, um, the I, I'm just, honestly, it's a statistical thing. Their point differential is not as good as it should be for a team with that record. Going into last night, I think they were, like I tweeted it, I think they were 11-1 and one, and games are decided by five, within five 
points and five minutes left. Like, there's some skill to that, but that's a little bit of luck. Like, you know, if you look one year to the next, rosters aren't always the same in clutch, which leads you to believe that there's some luck factor that's going on there. So they've been fortunate. They probably, you know, what are they, 19 and 7? Is, is that too high? Are they 18 and 7? What are they? 18 and 8. Yeah. 18 and 8, so they really probably should be 15 and 11, and that would make that's kind of what I think they are. So I think Philadelphia is fine, but they're not in my title contenders. Like, I think there's five teams, and I actually think there's six, but there's five teams playing to the level of championship right now, and that's Milwaukee. Brooklyn has is not playing there, but there's no question on that talent. Utah, the two L.A. teams, and I believe in Denver. Um, they're not the same. They remind me a lot of us last year where we just lost a lot of the same types of players and you had to kind of rebuild who you are. But Jokic is so great that I think you have to put Denver in that category because all they have to do is beat you four out of seven and Jokic can do that by himself. David, we appreciate a few minutes. We'll uh, we'll see some uh, really quality opponents uh, coming through town by the time we talk to you again. We'll catch up with you again next week. I want 55 threes tonight, TK. More threes, not less. Our standard deviation of performance gets smaller the more threes we take. So, therefore, we should take more threes. We're not taking enough. We're taking the most in the NBA, and I want more, PK. More threes. They took 53 last time. Made 25, 47%. And we won. There's not. Correct. You shoot over 42% from three against Milwaukee, and you win. You shoot under 42% from three against Milwaukee, and you lose. Okay. Thank you, David. See ya. All right. Key phrase for tonight's game, let it fly. Let them fly. Threes from everywhere. DJ and PK, stay with us. More on the Jazz coming up. Cody Fuger, BYU basketball assistant coach at 830. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. David's Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. All right, PK, you just heard from David, and as usual, David Locke throws out a lot of stuff, but is there something you want to underline and put an exclamation point after? Uh, For me, the threes, I get the theory and principle but I don't want bad shots just because they're threes. That doesn't do me any good. Nope, neither does Quinn. I mean, there's never any stat on what the long rebound is that leads to two points the other side because you took a bad three. I mean, you're trying to make a point, so you're going to use your stats that make your point. Well, how many – and I've, I've often said this. The reason why I like the threes, even before it became in vogue, is because the opportunity of a long rebound works both ways. It's not just the defense transitioning to offense that can get them. The offense staying on offense can get them. And I, would, I, I, I always wondered, when you take a three, and obviously you make it, we know what you get, but if you miss it, 
what's the percentage chance, and I'm not a big numbers guy, but this has always intrigued me, what's the percentage chance that you get the offensive rebound versus what's the percentage chance you get the offensive rebound on just a two? You know, the regular shot that we used to see for years. And then also, too, what's the percentage of then you giving up an easy bucket on the other side? So I've never seen any of that. They're probably out there. Oh, I assume they are, yeah. goes and digs it. I'm not going to go look it up. Right. Uh, no, I'm assuming that the coaching staff has all of this info and, and info even beyond this. I mean, it's, But I always thought that even before teams were firing up 30-40 a game is that it seems to me logic would dictate there would be an opportunity, unless you're Hornacek, who had the ultimate short, uh, soft touch, that you would end up with some long rebounds, which then, to me, creates just as much opportunity for the offense to get it. And then we see, you know, the tip-outs and stuff where they push it back out and – and then it's a, whoever happens to be standing where the ball is. And, and not necessarily where it has happens, you know, because you go to the Dennis Rodman thing, and he used to study everybody's shot from where they took it out on the floor to where the percentage would be that it would go if it was missed. And so he had everybody's shooting percentage and where they were on the floor in his mind. So he knew, okay, if Steve Kerr shot from the left and missed from 15, the likelihood of ball going to spot XYZ and I need to get my butt over there because then I got a better chance to get the offensive rebound and he clearly made a living off of that stuff so it's not like it's just happenstance I don't know that much is happenstance some is but I certainly don't think much is and everything is studied and all that so the bottom line to my ramble here is that I want to see quality threes not just threes for the sake of taking threes well, you and Quinn both, and they've got ways to get quality threes, and one of those is to really you know, get them in transition and, and, and push the ball and just run nonstop because they've got all the threes broken down, you know, contested, uncontested, spots on the floors, you know, different guys and each guy's trend. So I think at this point they've fine-tuned all of that on how to get a good three because I just don't think you're shooting 40% from three unless you know that stuff forwards and backwards, and I think all these well, guys do. Yeah, I don't think it's just off missed shots, though, that you can get that stuff because you're not running off of a missed shot, per se. You're setting it up. So, I mean, you've got to be able to do both. You're not just going to get it because the other team misses shots. They're going to make a fair amount of shots no matter how good your defense is. So you've got to be able to be effective in the so-called half court, too. And certainly the willingness, I think that's part of the reason, number one, I think, is the willingness of literally every single guy on his team to make that pass. It doesn't seem like there's any form of selfishness that I've been. Maybe Jordan Clarkson is the exception that he probably, uh, if you statted out the amount of dribbles and the length of time he spends dribbling the ball uh, in the front court, not the back court, because obviously that's what you have to do unless you pass it up. But in the front court, he probably dribbles the most, I would think. I would think you're right. Uh, but he's effective. You know, you look what he did. I think he had 26 against the Bucks the last time. So if you got your game going, Jordan, have at it, and we'll all just get out of the way or we'll be over <laughs> here if you want to pass it to us. That's great. Uh, but if you feel like you've got an advantage, go ahead and take it because you can provide – such a level of offense that is uh, infused into the team and and certainly needed that he can do that. The rest of them are moving the ball uh, and taking it. And and as I watch the game and I sit there in my lazy boy and watch the games, uh, I can tell, okay, that shot's got an excellent chance of going in just based on how they line up, meaning 
it, how quick it is if it's a good if it's a good three. Now sometimes you have to take a bad three, shot clock's winding down, whatever it might be, uh, and sometimes you just make a bad decision and you think uh, this is a good three, but really it isn't. So uh, defensive, you know, what's the defensive pressure? Uh, I love it. I love to see. It just drives me crazy, though, from a defensive perspective. These guys that go leave their feet thinking they're going to block. How many threes are blocked in the course of a game? One, two? Yeah. yeah. And I love it. Then you you become useless at that point, and then Bogdanovich just steps to his left, whatever it might be, wherever he is out on the floor, and then he's got a wide-open three. When you're also a liability to foul That's a great shot. Yeah. It's just so stupid. I, why don't they? I I love running out, running after it, but then close out and keep your feet on the hardwood. Don't go flying by because then you're you're like a bird. I just let you fly by, and you become useless. DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. The question of the day, a two-parter coming up next. Stay with us. DJ and PK reminding you, Valentine's Day is this week, and flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy by visiting them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's Day is on Sunday this year. Jimmy's Flowers is closed on Sunday. But you can shop online right now at jimmysflowers.com. Question of the day, two-parter. PK. What? Would you rather have the media cast doubt on the jazz rather than lavish them with praise? And Valentine's Day is Sunday. Give us your favorite romantic tune. We got one segment here before we bring Cody Fugger aboard to talk BYU basketball. Do you want to sing or do you want to talk jazz? I want to talk jazz <laughs> because I love they play with such pizzazz. Not bad, just off the top of your head. I like it. <laughs> I combined the two. Beautiful. Beautiful work by you. There's a million love tunes. And right now, the Jazz, they are singing beautiful tunes when they play ball. (laughs) You're just going to keep combining the two. (laughs) The people are into both of these topics. Only one by Yellow Card, Jada Butters says. Only one? 50 ways to leave your lover, Randy Clark says. That's not a romantic tune. David says, anything by Anita Baker. Anita Baker, sweet love. I don't know if you've heard that tune, but Anita Baker singing sweet love is just awesome. She has got quite the voice, that's for sure. So this is the only one by Yellow Card, the first one you brought up. Is it too fast? And just for reference sake, this came out when I was in high school. Like, this takes me right back to Mountain View. <laughs> Walk in the halls, Yak. It really does, uh-huh. though. <laughs> now, lyrics have to make a sweet love song, too. But does it need to be a little slower? In a way. Uh, you know, obviously it's in the ear of the beholder. But I probably mu- like mine a little bit slower. If you're into this type of uh, music, depends on 
if you're not, but if you are, the women, they love themselves some Dan and Shay. I went to a Dan and Shay concert uh, a few years back. What's that place? It's not the depot, but it's over by there. It's down the road a little bit. Yeah. I can't think of the name uh, of the place, but it was there. In fact, I, I was there, and some of your friends, Yak, told me they were your friends. Cause they, oh, yes. I do remember this, yeah. They, they came up to me. But I felt like I was at an Osmond concert in the 70s. <laughs> it just seemed like there was. Not that I went to one, but... <laughs> Sure. Yeah, sure you didn't. You know, Donnie and Marie. Okay. Well, Donnie did a thing on satellite radio the other day, and I was at the gym, and he was he's so self-deprecating. He makes me laugh. And he did a uh, thing where he played the hits of the 70s, and then he had played he – he would play a little bit that he had cut the tune himself. And I think it was uh, Elton John's uh, – what's that? It's your song. And he he did it as an adult, and he did it as a kid, and he set it up, and he said they were at the Forum in Inglewood, and he said, now, I'll play just a little bit of it, but all you could do is hear teenage girls scream, and he brought that up. So that was what was in my mind. Uh, but that Dan and Shay one, women love them. So if you're looking to uh, make your mark, if she's into that form of, I guess they call it country, I call it pop, uh, they love like tequila by Dan and Shay. That's a winner every time. Rascal Flats getting a shout out. Bless the broken road. Tony Janelle Smith put that one up there. Uh, Rascal Flats is okay. I don't dislike them. They're not up there with my faves. Brad Paisley got a shout out for then. Brad Paisley, yeah, I know him. He does those commercials with uh, Peyton Manning. Everything I Do by Brian Adams. Everything I Do by Brian Adams. All right. That that, yeah. that could fit the bill. That's romantic enough. If by Brad, Paul Douglas says. Ooh, we're going way back. <laughs> if by Brad. <laughs> For some reason, an episode of The Wonder Years sticks out of my mind. <laughs> Are you serious? What? <laughs> Yeah, because he was going to get Winnie this big gift that he had saved up for, blah, blah, blah. And he said that, I just hope she doesn't buy me the latest Bread album. (laughs) He got him the latest Bread album. (laughs) And then he had to act like he really enjoyed it. (laughs) When when he was was later on in the years, the Wonder Years, he was a teen. It's a little sappy for me. I agree. Someone Like You by Van Morrison really floats my boat. I've been waiting for you to throw one thing out here. And I can't really say it with Brian Adams' plan. (laughs) It's too big a left-hand turn. Al Green. Come on, PK. Al Green. I actually just got a text message saying, if you don't play Al Green in this segment, I'm going to be very angry. It's like like a Valentine's Day demand on this show. This has to happen. Great tune. No doubt about it. That works. I'm so in love. 
pretty sweet. You know he's living in Forest City, Arkansas these days? Lost track of Al Green. If you believe Wikipedia, I guess. Al Green or Marvin Gaye? The ultimate Valentine's Day call. Classics never grow old. Even if we do. Uh, well, individually on a tune, I would go with this Al Green tune, sure. All right, the other question up on Facebook, in addition to the Valentine's tunes, which Yach will continue to serenade us with all day long. I don't know what you're going to place out with, Yach. It's a wild card. It's your call. Would you rather have the media cast doubt on the Jazz rather than lavish them with praise? And Tony says, honestly, yes. It makes them all upset. And they go and increase their game and consistency. I think there's something to it. You know, you don't want to get just bashed, too caught up in it. You don't want to get drowned by trying to, because always be negative out there. It's just, especially now more than ever in social media. And then there's so many folks who don't have to identify themselves and they can be these warriors that are anonymous. Truly, I have no use for whatsoever. You got something to say to me, put your name to it and I'll listen. Uh, because that's a fair critique. Uh, email me. My address is out there on the website. And people who do that, I usually respond. Uh, but uh, if you're just an anonymous taking a shot, then just delete you and away you go. It doesn't matter. I'm in my 19th year, so really, who the hell cares what you think? Uh, but I think they should be aware of it because why not? Why not have an opportunity to show some folks uh, because we are out here, and, and people discount them. And if you're a great player, well, okay, it's like you're in some form of uh, purgatory, and then you're going to just stay there until you can get your your way out. You're going to go the Gordon Hayward. The, the, the truth is nobody really wanted to admit it, but Gordon Hayward was out the, the second he was available to get out. And the restricted contract, he wanted out, but he couldn't get out then. At least he was interested in getting out. Uh, and then the, the second he became a free agent with no restrictions, he was out the door. And a lot of people think, well, that's what happens when you play with Utah. So that's why these guys, and I think the message needs to be passed on to them, guys, winning here is going to mean so much more. I mean, LeBron can win in Los Angeles. Well, good for you. But it it just kind of sort of rings hollow, and especially the way you did it. You went to the Lakers when they absolutely sucked, but it didn't matter. You wanted the Hollywood experience, and then you pilfered who Locke says one of the top five players in the league. There was no struggle there. Don't act like we overcame anything is possible. Look at us. We had to battle through so much. I mean, LeBron needs to, loves to tell you how difficult it was in the bubble. Eh, maybe it was. But it's not like that's a big struggle that you had to climb the mountaintop and you had to have the, uh, who was it, the linebacker rip the jersey off your back or the monkey off your back metaphorically and all that stuff because you had to go through so many down times together before you finally climbed the mountain. That wasn't it at all. <laughs> you were orchestrated. You were put together like they used to do those TV shows and uh, made a, a band out of you or something when you really weren't. You were a TV show. It's not really what it was about. So if I'm a Laker fan, 
I think if you're being truthful, you would say, this title doesn't mean as much as the others. Come on, how could it? Whereas here, if you, if you actually did it, you would, you would be the king of the league to do it there. And go ahead and show them, man. And I think these guys sort of feel that way. So why not look at that and whether it's Shaq or whomever, you can't do it there. And the only reason why you're there, despite what you say, is because you're contractually obligated to be there. And the first chance you get out, you're Gordon Hayward in it. I think that Tony's take here, honestly, it makes them all upset and they go increase their game. The guy it's easiest to point to is Rudy. It, it, it definitely works with Rudy. To what degree it works with the other guys, we can all, uh, we can all debate. But, you know, they're asking Rudy to defend the entire paint, go out and defend the pick and rolls, get back to the rim. And then, as Locke told us, that the three-point game in transition works if Rudy is sprinting to the rim. So he's got to come with a tremendous amount of energy, and whatever fires him up to do that, sign off on it because they got to have it from him. Okay, I don't have any problem with that, but I don't know that it's any less than the other guys. I don't, but he's more vocal about it, so I'm more sure it works. You know, Joe will kind of aw shucks it and all that. I think to some degree it works with him. I think to some degree it works with Donovan too, but it's just Rudy's so vocal about it, it just seems more obvious and you know it might work with the other guys but not as often everybody has their limits where you push them across the line and then okay now it's working with them whereas with Rudy I think it works every day of the week well the thing with Rudy is that he's going to be the first guy to make all this money and not score 20 points a game (laughs) and so that's always going to be the knock and the more the knock the more the ignorance shows because it's clear they're not watching jazz games. How could they know? It's understandable ignorance. There's no way you can know unless you study them night after night, or at least watch them, which is somewhat of the same. You literally have to watch the jazz play all the time to totally understand the value, the complete value, not some stupid bleep box score value, but the complete value that he brings. And when you look at Shaq, there's just no way he's doing that. So it's a willful, understandable ignorance. I get it. That's, he's not being paid to study the jazz unless he absolutely has to and force him to study you. And then you'll appreciate his value. But I think all the guys have it. I, 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 Mitchell has it. Mitchell wants to be a star, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the good thing is he wants to be a star within the framework of winning with the team because he knows they go hand-in-hand. And he already knows that he's established himself and pretty much any time he wants to shoot, have at it. So that's already been decided. He's going to get his money. He's already got a boatload of money, and he's going to get even more uh, in time. So he has the green light pretty much whenever he wants. So all that stuff is taken care of. Now, if you want the true acclaim, you already got that other stuff. The true acclaim comes through winning. Brian says, does it really matter? They still have to put the work in on the court. Yeah, but that helps them put the work in. That's what I'm saying. Even if it's just like one-tenth of your motivation, why you need, not have it? You need That's that my ten, whole point. Yeah, you need that 10%. 
So, some do, some don't. No, I think that the margin, uh, well, that's probably true. Some do, some don't. I just think that the margin isn't that great. You have these games where you, you're getting up 80, 85, 90 shots, and it comes down to, you know, put one to five shots going in versus the other guy that, that matter. So if there's uh, 85 shots each, you're looking at 170 possessions plus turnovers, and it comes down to one to five possessions decide a game. You know, there's there's not there's not much separating in these games. I mean, the Jazz end up beating the Celtics by 14, but it was four points in the middle of the fourth quarter. Didn't it feel like there wasn't much separating those teams? Now the Jazz made the big plays at the end and hit the threes, and the scores aren't as close okay. as we're used to because they're shooting threes, not twos, and they're shooting so many of them. So it's kind of the the margin, but. Man, with seven minutes to go, you, you don't want to bet your life on which, which team was winning that game. I mean, you, you might have an idea, but you don't know for sure. You know, when you know for sure, you turn off the TV or you channel surf and you go to another game. <laughs> we all stayed for the end of that Jazz Celtic game. Uh, yeah, I usually stay for all of Jazz games anyway. Because uh, I feel like it's, it's part of my job. Sure. Uh, but, but you I, but channel surf point. away from games routinely. You watch a lot of sports, and you routinely channel surf when you know oh, the competition well. part's over. I got who's Absolutely. winning this. No, no, I get your point. Yeah, and I, I understand what you're saying uh, as far as that goes. And as a fan, I think fans do that. I, I think that when you look at the true great players, there's got to be something there. There's got to be a burning desire to succeed. Because if there's not, you won't have it. And we've seen guys who don't have it. I mean, obviously in this franchise history, Ostertag is the poster guy. And we all go back to him. You know, how much effort did you really, really put into it? Or did you wake up that seven feet tall? And so uh, you left a lot there out on the table. And so what? what is your burning desire? And then you have to have the heart. You got a lot of times heart. The reason why that ball goes in, in whatever sport, is because there's heart, and heart I think is aligned with motivation. And if people doubt you, man, I've used it myself a thousand times over. I'm not nearly the most talented, as I've been told a million times over, but I always felt like I had the ethic and I had the heart. And I would get where I wanted to go. And I think it's the same thing with these guys, too. So I say continue to be disrespected and show them. Now, you got to be careful a little bit because, you know, that was Hayward's thing is that he felt like he didn't get enough acclaim uh, and he wasn't going to get it in Utah. So you got to be careful on that That's got because that could work against the Utah market. Because clearly if Mitchell was doing this in his home area of New York, it would just be berserko. And we wouldn't, I wouldn't. So a lot of things that go into that. DJ and PK, we're talking college hoops with BYU assistant basketball coach Cody Fugger next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
I like myself a good French fry with ketchup and mayo. I'm not talking about fry sauce. I'm talking about real mayo and real ketchup. Is yeah. that, that fry sauce? Uh, that's kind of what I was Te- thinking. Technically, I'm not it talking is. about spaghetti and meatballs. I'm talking about spaghetti and meat balled in- up. <laughs> Europe had it before fry sauce ever showed up. Yeah. Bite your tongue. Fry sauce started here, sir, with yeah. Arctic Circle. We created fry sauce, and we will own that in perpetuity. Oh, they did in Europe we, first. It tastes different, separate than in fry sauce. Next thing you know, Gordon's going to tell us Brigham Young didn't say this is the place, but ah, this is good enough. <laughs> Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought you in part by Minky Couture. The best blanket ever is also the best gift for Valentine's Day. Get 30% off right now on any regularly priced blankets with the code word WELCOME30 at MinkyCouture.com. Take care of that Valentine's gift today by visiting a location near you in Ogden, Layton, Draper, Orem, Surehouse, or St. George. That's Minky Couture and Valentine's Day. Check them out at MinkyCouture.com. Time to welcome in Cody Figure, BYU assistant basketball coach. Cody, good morning. Good morning, DJ and PK. How are you guys doing? Good. We are doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, glad to be on. I'm a huge fan of your guys' show. Well, thank you. I'm, uh, I'm curious, uh, what is the BYU coaching staff doing with itself now? You have a very unusual long layoff in the middle of the conference season. Maybe you're trying to plug it with a game, or maybe you're doing something different midseason. What, what is the game plan now? Uh, right now, um, we're, uh, you know, we took, uh, it was, we took Wednesday off and, uh, these next three days, we're just going to kind of focus on ourselves. Uh, it's been a while since we've been able to just kind of focus on ourselves and not other teams throughout this conference. Um, so, you know, we're focused on our, our physicality and just different things that we need to get better at, uh, with, with our team first. Um, and then we'll uh, start off Pacific and LMU next week. So what's more difficult, Cody, trying to match Mark Pope's enthusiasm or beat <laughs> Gonzaga? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, both, both are uh, really, uh, really tough, tough, tough goes. Gonzaga's a heck of a team, and Coach Pope brings that every day. So both are pretty tough. Uh, your link to the uh, to the Utah area, your roots uh, your roots run deep. When I saw you were from Wisconsin, I thought, well, I can only think of one link, and sure enough, there it was. Yeah, Coach Majerus. Um, I uh, you know started out at his basketball camps when I was younger in uh, Wisconsin at Cardinal Street Basketball Camp, and. When I got uh, 16 years old, he actually asked me to basketball camp. Um, and then when I graduated high school, he first asked me at University of Utah, but I'm really cheap, so I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to pay out-of-state tuition, and I knew I wanted to coach. So uh, he decided to uh, give me scholarships so I come so I could come work for him. And I worked for him for a couple of years and uh, had a great relationship with uh, Coach Majerus. So then how did that transfer over to Mark Pope because you've been with him now? Yeah, so, you know, I, I kind of went from um, University of Utah, and I got to know so many different people in Utah, so many great people. Um, worked with Chris Jones and, uh, you know, Tim Lacombe, 
and uh, we, we became close. And, you know, Tim um, worked at uh, BYU for a long time, obviously, and um, I was working at Louisiana Tech in the time, and we, we stayed close. And when a job opportunity came open at BYU, I got close with Coach Rose and um, got a chance to be hired at as the director of basketball operations back in 2014 and 15 at BYU or 2013, 14. Um, so, uh, and then I got to meet coach Pope there and, uh, coach Pope and I developed a great relationship and then he got the head coaching job at Utah Valley and I went with him there. And then when he came back to BYU, I came back with him. So you have all these influences. How do they, uh, show themselves in the BYU program today? What do you see that, is a little bit of uh, Dave Rose. What do you see that's a little bit of Rick Majerus? Obviously, with Coach Pope, he's the head coach. His fingerprints are all over it. But what about the other guys? So with, with Coach Majerus, I, I think there's a lot of uh, attention to detail um, and relentless work ethic. Um, I, think, I think that's something that it's just an all-day, everyday thing. And like you said, that's, that's a lot of part, a part of Coach Pope's DNA. Um, and with Coach Coach Rose is just giving his players so much confidence at all times um, to be their best and play their best. I think those are the two two main things that uh, betray in this program right now. I'm fascinated on how Mark Pope builds his teams. Now it's only been a couple teams here with BYU. And last year we know he's relying a lot on transfers both of the years that he was that he's been the head coach. But last year, the transfers were, were somewhat different in that, you know, you bring Toulson back, but it really wasn't a new situation. Obviously, he had been there before, and there's not a lot of physical distance between UVU and BYU, so I imagine guys are playing together with each other, so they have some form of uh, relationship, even if it's not a formal one on the same team. So you could see that transfer situation being maybe smoother than others. And now this year, same type of deal. You're bringing in some JC guys. You're bringing in the big kid from Purdue. Averitt's from down the street, UVU also. But has this year been a little more difficult to mold guys into a team versus what it was last year? Because even though you had – some transfers, you still had a bunch of guys who'd been in the program for a good while? Yeah, I, w- I would say this year it's just taken a little bit longer. You know, um, throughout the summer we didn't, we didn't, uh, weren't able to get with them as much as we usually did, like the, the past year, um, just because with, you know, COVID and everything going on. Um, but I, I would say, you know, it's just been, yeah, like you said, we, we only brought in a couple transfers last year. And this year, it's like, what, nine new guys or, or whatever. So it's just been uh, a little bit different bringing in all these different lineups and just seeing what fits. And, and it's just taking a little bit longer. Um, but this group's got great great amount of energy and, and brings it every single day. It's been a really fun team to coach. Um, and, uh, you know, Matt, Matt Harms coming from Purdue brings a lot of his senior leadership. Um, Alex Barcelo, obviously, he was with us last year. Um, and then Brandon Averitt, those those three seniors have been been crucial for us this year, and they're they're kind of uh, pushing our guys to get better every day. Um, yeah, those guys have uh, really really like Matt Matt Harms, you know, coming from Purdue, a Big Ten program, 
excuse me, has, uh, you know, just kind of really helped, helped mold our guys together because, you know, he just wants to win at the end of the day, and he's really helped our, our team improve um, just, just on that and just kind of everybody's sacrificing for each other. Cody Feger joining us, BYU assistant basketball coach. Uh, you mentioned earlier uh, working with guys, getting guys to be more physical. You know, you, you've got a lot of size on the team, and there are games where it has really destroyed other teams, but also there are times where it just seems to go away and they get taken out of games, and Gonzaga did, and obviously Gonzaga's undefeated, number one. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how, do, how do teams take those guys out of games what can you do to prevent it? Because you know going forward, assuming the NCAA tournament goes off here in Indianapolis as they're planning, people are going to look at the Gonzaga tape, they're going to look at other tapes, and you, and you know what they're going to you know what they're going to decide. Yeah, it's just something that we just focus on and talk about every single day. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to do in practice sometimes because you want to be really physical, but you don't want also guys to get injured in practice. Um, but we watch film, we show clips of it, and we just we go against pads a lot. And, you know, yesterday we had a long day of just kind of going at each other over and over again, whether it's rebounding or ducking in in the post or, you know, defending the ball, whatever, whatever uh, you know, we were doing was just talking about that physicality over and over again. And that's just something that we're just going to take a huge step forward, talking about screening, you know, um, um, you know, rebounding, making and maintaining contact, hitting, hitting every single possession. Um, so it's just something that we're we're just continuing to talk about every play, every possession. So one guy who's got me way excited is this loner kid. I love the way his rebounds. I love his tenacity. I know he got off to a slow start a little bit as far as shooting goes, but I would think that overall the way he's developed as just a freshman, you guys have got to be pleased. Oh yeah, we're we're really excited. You know, he he's one of those guys that's that's uh, coming into the office every single day, wanting to watch film, and he's staying in the gym and shooting till late at night. He just cares so much about this team and just getting better, and he just wants to wants to please the coaching staff. And um, his when he's focusing on defense and rebounding, he he's unbelievable because the offense is going to come, and he's gotten better and better, like you said, down the line here. And he, he's just been so much fun to coach. And, you know, we, we watched some of the film from yesterday, and he's knocking into everybody's body, and he just gets right up. Like, he, he it's unbelievable all the hits he takes and just keeps on standing and keeps on coming, and he's just nonstop bowl of energy. It, it, he's been, he's been fun, to, fun to coach. Yeah. So – the the uh, the transfers PK touched on earlier. You know, so many people. As you talk about your background, right? You've come across so many people, and so many people in basketball have that. I'm curious with the portal. When a name hits a portal, how often are you surprised, and how much? Because everybody knows everybody. Is the word kind of out? Hey, look, this guy's name could pop up pretty soon. How much of a heads up do you get with that? Uh, it just kind of depends. You know, we'll hear something once in a while. Um, coach will say something and um you know we'll, we'll we'll hear about it a little early sometimes um but like let's just say alex barcello like uh his name just popped up on one day last year on june 23rd um it was two years ago and you know we just started calling right away and we didn't have a have a relationship with his aau coach or anybody but we just started dialing in and calling calling him right away and same with matt harms you know, those are two guys that 
that we just had no prior relationship at all and just kind of went out and worked for him. And, you know, Jake Toulson, obviously, we had a, had a great relationship with, and he wanted to come. And um, But, you know, sometimes you, you hear stuff, but you're never for sure, so you just wait until they names hit the portal and start calling right away. So I'm real interested as far as BYU goes because obviously you have the influence of the LDS Church involved. And to me, you get Averett would be obvious. He's been in the community. He's aware of it. And Barcelo's been down there in Arizona, my home area, and I know where he went to high school. And that side of town on the East Valley, there's tons of LDS folks. So he has a, a familiarity with them for sure. I'm sure he's played with them. He's got neighbors and so forth. So he has at least an understanding. Not sure about harms, but going forward there, is that something – that you have to just hit right off the bat as far as explaining what folks are about and Provo and all that stuff? How does that work? Yeah, for sure. Like uh, that's something that we'll talk about right away with recruits just so they, they know they get a heads up. Like, so when I was coming from Wisconsin, um, I had no idea what a Mormon was. I've never heard of the one. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, coach Majera said, Hey, it's, it's just like, just like everybody else, just normal and everything's fine. And, and I got here and yeah, there's, there's no big difference. You just hear all these weird things. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's, it's, you just tell them exactly what kind of school is about, what's important to the school and, and, um, you know, about coffee and, you know, alcohol and women and all that, all that kind of stuff. We just kind of give them a heads up right away. And, you know, guys, you know, you know, guys aren't don't shy away from it. And they're not scared because the guys we want to bring in want to be pros at the end of the day. They're not worried about the off-the-court kind of issues anyway. You know, we don't want to bring the guys in that don't want to be pros. We want we want players that want to come in here and, and want to take basketball serious and not worry about the outside stuff. How much, uh, when you have a coaching change, I'm always curious about how much you can keep the alumni involved recruiting, and they've had some guys go overseas, which can take people out of the loop. How much effort have you spent on that, connecting with the past and trying to keep those guys involved with the program? Because they're another pair of eyes for recruits, another perspective. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's something that, you know, Coach Pope hit on uh, since day one since we came to BYU was just staying in touch with all the alumni, you know, we try we try to have a couple of alumni nights last year. Try to invite the alumni to every single game. Um, that that's something that we talk about every day um, as a staff. Really, is just staying in touch with this alumni and and want them to feel vested in this program because they built this place. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll I'll talk to different um, players like Eric Nika, and you can go down the line: Tyler Hawes, Jonathan Tabinari. Um, Travis Hanson, everybody wants to help this place out, like you said, alumni, and and that's been a fantastic resource for us. So you got a kid from this Wasatch Academy on your pro, in your program, and I think you got a commitment uh, from somebody to join it. Well, tell us about what's going on down at that place and what's the connection as far as BYU being able to mine that for potential players. Uh, Wasatch Academy, you know, it's, it's an hour and ten minutes down the road. Uh, Paul Peterson is the head coach now, um, and we got a great relationship with Paul. He's he's trained a lot of former BYU guys, um, and then Anson Winder is an assistant coach there now. So we've got a p- plenty of guys that have uh, you know great great feel for that program. 
Um, and they they have a great great deal down there. They can bring in top players in the country, and, and it's a great location for us, and it's kind of hidden away a little bit. Um, they're playing great talent every single week. Um, but that, that's, a, that's a relationship that's going to keep on growing and keep on getting better for us. So when you look at your coaching staff, Cody, how short do you feel? <laughs> um, you know, Every day, I, I, I you know I'm just kind of used to it. I don't think about it now. When I get get home, sometimes my sometimes my son will say say some weird things to me, and I'll give him a second look, and he'll be like, "Dad, are you the shortest guy, or is Brandon Averett the shortest guy out there?" And uh, so that that's the only thing that kind of makes me feel a little bit different. Or uh, um, my uh, my friend the other day was telling me that uh, he was just googling my name for just a find this picture to send me and uh the first thing that came up was cody Feger height so i wonder if everyone <laughs> thinks i'm about five foot three or what <laughs> it's like lord of the rings it's all trick photography <laughs> just tell them it's all hollywood <laughs> <laughs> well cody we appreciate a few minutes thanks for coming on and talking a little cougar basketball all right, appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, Cody Feger, BYU assistant basketball coach, join us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Utah Jazz getting ready for a big weekend. Three games in four days, some of the best teams in the East, and we will get to that next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. PK, I want to blame Yawk for this, but he's now throwing Johnny Lightfoot under the bus. (laughs) I like how... You criticized this one time, and Johnny, before he was hired for us, goes on Facebook and blasts me, and I never said a word. <laughs> True story. That <laughs> did happen. I can't believe you, Kenahan. James hates this. You dog. Ah, <laughs> oh, I feel like you've just got syrup all over. <laughs> covered. This is like, ah, I'm sticking everything. Full maple with all the sugar. Who spilled syrup on the counter and didn't wipe it up? That's terrible. Johnny Lightfoot sends his regards. No, he does. Thanks, Johnny Lightfoot. Thanks thanks for nothing. All right, now the smooth transition to Lisa and Jazz Talk. Lisa, good morning. 855-340-ZONE. Yeah, we still take calls every once in a while. You never know. 855-340-ZONE. Lisa, what's going on? Hey, guys. How are you? Good. Good. Well, when I heard that song, I looked at my husband and said, what the just happened? (laughs) What what did the zone just do? (laughs) They're taunting and torturing me. That's what's going on. Okay. I'm sorry about that. You shouldn't do that, you guys. Thank you, Lisa. Okay. Um, Quick, quick question. I have a conspiracy theory about the whole NBA Mavericks thing. You ready? Yeah. Okay. I think that was a big old setup because you know they're losing fans right and left. And, um, well, maybe not left. 
Oh, nice. Okay. Um, anyway, and um, I think that that was the setup, that Mark Cuban said that, and then the, I can't even think of the commissioner's name. but Adam Silver. Silver. He jumps in. Y'all are going to play that national anthem. So they're trying to get fans back. What do you think? So they're trying to get you people back because you got burnt over what they've done socially, and so you've fallen away, and you being the representative of the generally, not you specifically, and so that they've set this up so they can look like uh, patriots again and, and bring back folks that they've lost. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, did it work? I am. Did it work? Well, I always watch the Jazz. But I won't watch a Mavericks game. If they're playing the Mavericks, I won't watch it. So. But they're playing the national anthem now. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> they blew it in my Okay. Opinion. But anyway, and then one last thing. For you fans that like to send texts after I call, I want you to know I will not trash the U. Uh, but I, okay, wait a minute. Maybe by next football season I will. But when they lost their player, it broke my heart, and I just I can't I can't do it. So you're gonna take the high road for a while. For a while, Mm -hmm. I can't guarantee what football season starts. But I that he just seemed like such a great kid, and it was such a tragedy. And I know it affected their program, and I just I can't do it. Not even on Twitter. So, <laughs> Twitter why is Twitter's not on? real. Not even on Twitter. Not even on well, I'm not even on Twitter anymore. So Good for you. Anyway. Yeah. All right, guys. I just wanted to run that by you. I just think that that's I'm a bit of conspiracy conspirator. Whatever you call it. Conspiracy theory. Okay. Person. Thanks for All the right. call. Thanks uh, for the call, Lisa. Yeah, it didn't strike me as that being a setup, but Suppose anything is possible. What's the number one reason why you would watch the Dallas Mavericks? Uh, number one, they were playing the Jazz. Number two, Luka Doncic. Okay, right. So it just aside from the Jazz, just Luka. So the, yeah. the number mean, one reason we watch stars, we watch the NBA celebrities, and he's it. Right. He's amazing. And I'm wondering, does he have anything to do with this national anthem? He's a foreign guy, and. He, He's, he's thousands of miles away from home. Right, and he's and, a lot younger, so I would think, no, he doesn't. Right. I mean, so, I'm not in his locker. I don't know the conversations he's had with teammates and all that, but no, he isn't. The, he's clearly not the first, second, or third guy you'd go to. So why would I deny myself that opportunity to watch that young man play ball when my guess is he's got nothing to do with any of this stuff, and so he's just out there playing ball and he probably, I mean, he's aware of it. I'm not going to say he's not, but he's out there just having the time of his life playing basketball, and he's really good, and he's fun to watch. Why would I deny myself the opportunity to see that young man play over politics? Now, for me, I guess some people get worked up about it. I'm not, not I guess. I mean, I know. But for me, why would I deny myself the opportunity to see that young. Now, if you want to root against the Mavericks because of Cuban and this and that, that's another story. But I like watching Doncic play ball because he's a heck of a player. 
Well, you're more invested in sports than most people. I'm more invested in sports than most people. And we are less invested in politics than a lot of people. So I think from where we're sitting, it's just not likely that's going to happen for us. But for somebody else who's less invested in sports and more invested in politics, maybe it's a pretty easy decision. I know, but my point being that probably, and I don't know this for sure, I don't know it at all, actually. My my point being that I don't know that Doncic really is invested on whether the United States of America plays its national anthem before its domestic sporting events. You are, I don't know. Uh, you, are, um, <laughs> you are being more me than you right now. Because on logic, I get it. But I think for a lot of people, this is just an emotional issue. And so there's no point in addressing with logic because the logic doesn't address the emotion. But because it's emotional, mm-hmm. and I was discussing this the other night with our friend... The Godfather, Vito Gordon Monson Corleone. <laughs> Vito and I said, Vito Gordon Monson. <laughs> yeah, Vito. All right. I think we should be calling him Vito. He's the Godfather of sports radio. He is. I mean, he literally is. And I'm saying, and he's been very active in writing and, and, and all this stuff. And we get, if you don't know his thoughts by now, you're never going to know them because it seems like, okay, you're sort of getting a little repetitive now. But I said, no matter what you write or say, whose mind are you changing? So why devote energy into all that stuff when am I really changing? If somebody changes their mind, is it because I lectured them or because they came to the conclusion to change their mind? I don't think very many people are changing, but if they do, is it because of my lectures? Probably not. It's because they came to their own uh, awakening of whatever the particular topic is. So rather than just beat that drum over and over, I'm just going to make sure that I can do what I can do and try to help player, uh, per, whether it's a minority or not, I guess it doesn't really matter. But since that's the big issue, you know, do what I can to help uh, move along and progress as, as a society. That's really all I can do. So because I agree with you, it is emotional. That's my very point as to why delve in it, because it is so emotional. And nothing is being settled. All it is is a bunch of outrage. And, so, people, and people making money along the way. And Yeah, and so when I come from that from the sports perspective, I just have a hard time getting myself worked up, so I'm going to deny myself that it's literally been a – entertainment venue for me and avenue for literally my whole life because once i do that you know you look at hollywood it's traditionally a a liberal left-leaning industry i think we could agree with that right so am i going to deny myself some movies music has been that way Media. I mean, I've been in news newsrooms many many years in five uh, three different states for five different newspapers, and the majority of them were. And so you can you can divorce yourself from that if you want. But do I divorce myself from music? Do I divorce myself from movies? Do I divorce myself from sports? What do I got left? I've, once I'm I'm going to do that, all I got left is a bunch of people who think exactly like I do. Is that really what I want? I don't know that I want anybody thinking like I do. Because my thoughts are probably cockamamie. And don't follow me because I don't know where I'm going. 
Yeah, but you've had stuff in your life where you've gone into large amounts of self-reflection. I mean, I think largely it's shown that people do want to be surrounded by people like themselves, people who look like themselves, people who talk like themselves, people who think like themselves. I mean, the media and your points about the media over 30 years, the career, well, true, at least to some extent and maybe to a large extent, true. But how relevant are they now because the media is so different than it was 30 years ago. Everybody's a member of the media. There are podcasts that never existed before, websites that never existed oh, yeah. before. I mean, who gets there? Even if you say newspapers, and we focus on newspapers, newspapers are liberal. I know I was in a newsroom 30 years ago. Well, first off, thousands of those newsrooms are closed and those papers don't exist. The rest are slimmed down and there aren't as many jobs. Their voice is a small fraction in the community of what it used to be. It is amazing how powerful a columnist's voice was 30, 40, or 50 years ago. A columnist in San Diego talked the town into building a multi-million dollar stadium that they're now tearing down and the NFL team has left. He talked an owner into moving a team. The amount of power that they wielded, and this is before I was even born— but the amount of power they wielded was now it's enormous. just enormous. Enormous. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, PK. And now there are people who don't read a newspaper. They go to a website X, Y, or Z that tells them what they already know. And now we know that people are data mining, that there are all these companies getting data off every website we go to. So they sell us what they know we want to buy. And everything is tailored for us more than ever. And so now it's this feedback loop, this circle of, yeah, I'm going to tell you exactly what you think. I'm going to tell you exactly what you want. I already know all about you, and I'm going to make money off you. You think people want to surround themselves exclusively with people who just agree with them? I would like to say no, but largely yes. And then if they want to be challenged, they only want to be challenged in a certain way. I mean, really, honestly, like you say, who among us wants to be lectured? Who wakes up in the morning and thinks, man, I hope someone comes along and tells me I'm completely wrong and challenges everything I think today? My children. As a parent, I may have thought that once or twice myself. I'll bet that you want to hear everything I have to say. <laughs> Come on, I've looked at Yak before the end of the day, and I, I need to shut up now. I'm just boring, Yak. <laughs> Yak, you're laughing way too hard. <laughs> I appreciated no that comments. Charger talk earlier this morning. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, man. And the point of that was, what, was there a point? Really? I don't know. I'm not convinced there was. <laughs> I don't think you can prove it. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Yak, what's going to happen here? I know you're efforting a third guest. Are we supposed to tease this, or is this not happening? I would not tease it for now. All right, Yak's pulling back on the throttle there. DJ and PK, we got a ton of you weighing in on the question of the day about the Utah Jazz and what you want to hear. And really, everything you just said, PK, now let's just spin it around and apply it to the Jazz. And we'll do that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Jimmy's Flowers. DJ and PK reminding you Valentine's Day is Sunday, and flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy by visiting them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's is on Sunday this year. Jimmy's Flowers at jimmysflowers.com. And Jimmy's Flowers is not open on Sunday, so don't wait till Sunday. Get them today or tomorrow. PK, the question of the morning. 
For Utah Jazz fans, would you rather have the media cast doubt on the Jazz, or would you rather have them lavish them with praise? And it seems like, at least the people who responded so far, they want them to cast doubt, which i got to admit is not what I expected the answers to be. Why not? Because I think people want their team praised because it gives them hope their team is finally going to win the championship. I think the team will win or lose the championship based on winning and losing the championship, not on what someone in the national media says on February 12th. But uh, there are a lot of people who think that the players hear it and it motivates them or focuses them or somehow helps them get a little bit of an edge, and they'll take every edge they can get. Uh, I'd agree with that line of thinking. Today's players have the biggest ears of any players of any generation. Not that they're any different. It's just that there's more available information, i.e. noise and crap being spewed (laughs) at all times. So it's very simple. Everything literally is at the disposal of your hand. And so it's almost impossible. And And these guys, they are growing up in a generation that is just active on social media they've all got their accounts right and you got players wives that have developed a a sense of celebrity right you take joe ingles wife now she had the celebrity coming and played that netball Mm -hmm. sport we don't play it over here but they play it around the world they play it in australia and she was one of the better players in the history of the sport right so she had her following separate and distinct from her husband. But a lot of them, Mike Conley's wife, Gordon Hayward's wife, and especially Gordon Hayward's wife, she was so young when she got married to him, that she's developed a celebrity through the social media. And that stuff can become addictive. And so that's the generation in which they live. So they hear and are aware of so much more stuff and use it as a positive rather than as a negative, and it can be used. Uh, There's nothing wrong with uh, nobody believes in us as long as it's handled in the right way and you're not swallowed up in that. And and it's true. There's not a lot of folks that believe in the jazz. uh, That's how they say basketball and jazz back east. You ever listen to Kornheiser? Basketball. (laughs) He'll always say basketball. That's how I grew up saying it. Basketball. And, you know, you talked about the other day how you heard him say they they teased at the start of their show, pardon the interruption, three or three or four things that we're going to get into. One of them is the jazz are winning basketball games, Mm -hmm. and we'll get to that. And he sort of, you know, they got to it, but he wasn't exactly full speed. Yeah, I believe in these guys, man. They're a really good basketball team. I would describe him (laughs) as warming to them, but he's only lukewarm. And and the thing is, I think – the discussion doesn't it doesn't always get framed the way you would frame it or the way I would frame it. Uh, he's clearly in the camp that well, the Lakers are going to win the title. <laughs> so so he doesn't want to push anybody. He didn't really push anybody else that hard either. Uh, but he did say he thinks more of the Jazz now than he did watching this regular season success. Well, you have to. Big deal. That's but not exactly went, co- making a big right. concession. They're 20 he and 5. Went, he went straight to they got knocked out by the Nuggets last year and they got knocked out by the Rockets the year before, both in the first round. And it's you just don't usually see, and obviously he's an older guy and he's watched a lot of 
basketball over the course of his life, and he's seen that teams rarely go from the first round of the championship. Didn't the Warriors go from the second round of the title when they made their big jump, which, historically speaking, was a pretty big jump? The Celtics went from nothing to the title. Mm-hmm. So when they did, 20- made their trade and got their big three for their last title. <sighs> yeah, okay, they got knocked out in the first round. But I wonder how much does he even realize that Bogdanovich wasn't even there. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. It's possible that that's off his radar. You know, I, right. I would think it's on Wilbon's right, Mike Wilbon's radar, um, and he's he's a little more hyped up about the Jazz. Although I just he didn't go into it exactly. You know, they've got their two minutes or whatever it is uh, for each topic. Uh, but the way he talks, I I would bet he thinks the Lakers are still the favorite. Oh, and fine. Yeah, they're still the favorite. But let me hearken back, hearken back. I'm hearkening. Uh, yeah, to the Fiesta Bowl when Boise State took the field against Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Sooners. <laughs> <laughs> Harken back I've to where little Adams appled Ty Detmer led his BYU Cougars onto the field against the mighty Miami Hurricanes, as they say out here. <laughs> hurricanes. <laughs> no, they're still the Hurricanes. It's just hurricane singular. Everybody already knew I was the new guy, but the first Friday night of high school football, back when you had to read scores before tickers. Oh, no. Did you do it? I said Hurricanes. I went to break. Michelle King's like, I'm really sorry. I should have told you you're already the new guy, but now you're really the new guy. It's Hurricane. What? Yeah. And that was on Michelle. That wasn't on you at she, all. She legitimately felt bad. I blame I Michelle. Remember it. She blamed her too. I was still trying to process how in the world is that hurricane? And everybody <laughs> knows I love Michelle King. And when she stepped aside, it was one of the saddest moments of my life. That's why it happened in sweeps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't somebody at Channel 5, didn't we have dueling so, uh, we news had readers, celebrities leaving? If you've been here a long time, please make sure you leave in sweeps. We can't waste this. <laughs> <laughs> Bowler's last night. Bowler got a rating for that show, his last night on Sportsbeat. <laughs> now, it either, depending on the night, it, it at least doubles. And some nights, it triples what 10 o'clock newscasts get. Under the theory that, you know, stuff has changed over 25 years. Yeah. So what you're telling me Bowler, is when I leave Channel 2. ratings. When I leave Channel 2 spot, talking sports, it needs to be in sweeps. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> That was my point, and I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you uh, realized that. Now, name the three people who will give a crap when I leave talking sports. You, me, uh, Yak. I don't believe you. I think you're sucking up right now. I was going to say Mrs. K. I watch you guys on the DVR all the time. I was going to say Mrs. K, but because it, it really can impact their Sunday. Well, Casey, okay, the funny thing about how I go about watching you guys is. Mm-hmm. You guys get here Monday morning, and a lot of times you reference back to what you talked about on Sunday night. I don't stay up that late. You're you're aware sure, of that. I know. So I hear you talk <laughs> about it. Speak, I, 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 okay, good point. But <laughs> I I usually go home Monday afternoon, and I will turn on talking sports from Sunday night just oh, yeah. to see yeah. what actually happened. There you go. Everything's changed, Jock. That would be such a weird thing to say when uh, when PK and I were kids. And yet now it's how we all are. It's how we're wired. So, yeah, it's a long shot that the Lakers uh, don't win it, but it's a shot. And I, I'm not I, ruling I, it out, yeah. man, because the three-pointer is the ultimate equalizer. And it, it's now that you think about it, 
why wasn't it figured out earlier? I don't know why it wasn't figured out earlier. Why did they have a smoking section on an airplane? <laughs> I don't know why they didn't figure out that that was a stupid thing to decide. Uh, you, you know, you'd have to work backwards. Uh, it, they didn't figure it out earlier because there weren't uh, enough guys who shot it. There weren't enough guys who shot it well enough. Uh but, so, you know, a player comes along and does something, and I think that we've got to look at Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and the Warriors. You know, they shot it at a ridiculous rate. And Mark Jackson tried to tell us, and it was hard to process, I've got the two best shooters ever. Like, okay, I've heard so many coaches hype their own players so many times, and especially in the NBA where players can and have gotten, play, gotten coaches fired. Uh, you know, is he just sucking up to his guys? But he was seeing stuff in practice that we weren't seeing. And he knew what they were going to do, and because he'd been a pro, he could also kind of project how they were going to evolve. And then sure enough, we're sitting there watching the finals, and how do guys of that physical stature beat someone like LeBron? Well, they got to shoot the three. They got to shoot it unbelievably well, and they did. So it's been done, but that's all got to evolve and happen, and, and guys have to come along and... You know, we've gone from 40 guys who can shoot 40% to 60 guys who can shoot 40%. And, you know, we're not that far away from the day when there'll be 80 NBA players shooting 40%. My premise of the Jazz that I would like to hear national folks say is, and I don't have a problem with this, that's why I'm going to say it, is that okay, they're, they look like they're a really good team. But let's wait and see what they do in the postseason. So you got you, you you don't have the skepticism about them being a really good team because you're 20 and five. <laughs> this has been a very good franchise over many many years, and they've tied for the best start. So that opens your eyes right off the bat because it's not like you know you're just going the the three years that the Sacramento Kings were good. No, they made the playoffs for 20, 18, 19 years in a row with the statues, right? So obviously they were really good. They had Hall of Fame players, Hall of Fame coach. So that gets your attention. So I don't have any problem with saying, well, let's see what they do in the playoffs. But you have to precede it with they're a really good team right now. That's where I have my issue, that you have doubt about them being a really good team right now. When you've won 16 out of 17, 11 in a row, blah, 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 that already answers it. So if you're slow to give them credit for being a really good team now, you're pissing me off. <laughs> well, don't do that. But if you want to go and say, well, let's see what they do in the postseason, I'm okay with that because they don't have the big-time track record. Did you see Jalen Rose? I retweeted it yesterday. I don't know if you saw yes. his uh, yes. minute 48 or whatever it was. Yes. And, you know, partly, I did think partly it's like he's got he's got the – Stephen A. Smith's showmanship, right? He knows how to sell it. Well, he's that's how he's got his job. Right, yeah. exactly. Good for him. And and he's got the whole partner prediction conflict thing. His partner's yeah. just sitting there kind of, you know, just going to take it while he sells it. Like, all right, I'm, he's on a roll. I'm going to let him roll here. And they clearly had a previous disagreement, which I didn't see, about how much to buy into the Jazz. And Rose was framing it as, if the Lakers are going to be beaten, it's going to be by the Jazz. If the Lakers are going to be beaten, it's not going to be by the Clippers. If the Lakers are going to be beaten, it's not by the Nuggets. If the Lakers are going to be beaten, it's going to be by the Jazz. Okay. Yeah, so, right. like, that's the kind of stuff you can live with. You know, we, we can't, uh, as much as we want to hear, they're the guys and it's going to get done. I just can't believe you don't look at LeBron and the Lakers and think, that's a high hurdle to clear. doesn't mean it can't be cleared, 
but that's a high hurdle to clear. But to win an NBA championship, you ought to have to clear a high hurdle. <laughs> it shouldn't be easy, you know? So who else, how many, I, I personally don't think there's ever more than a favorite and a couple of contenders, and then everybody else is just trying to go as far as they can, build for, you know, in the case of the younger teams, build for next year. See what and lock, lock throughout, you know, five or six teams. I got to say, that's watching the, the high end. Yeah, watching the uh, the Nuggets play <clears throat> and love Jokic and thought they figured some stuff out. But anytime you put together a stretch where you're really good, people are going to go back and, and look at the tape like, how can you attack it? And there's an adjustment made, there's another adjustment made, you know, and they've hit another rough stretch. And Locke made the point when he was on with us earlier basically, you have to be able to win multiple ways to win a title. He didn't say it like that. But if you add up everything he said, that's what he was saying. You know, there's a way to beat the Bucks. Can you do it? There's a way to beat the Clippers, and he's got his doubts about the Jazz' ability to do it. Maybe they can. You know, these two games will tell us more coming up. And, and obviously, you've got an issue with the Lakers with their size and their length and their talent. And one way is just beat them down the court. Can you just beat them down the court? You know, a, a long time ago, and you remember this, era because you've referenced it a lot, the— Celtics were this massively huge team, and the Lakers' way to beat them was to beat them down the court. That's what Magic and those guys did. They, they got down the court before that massive front line got set up, you know, and they got five titles out of it, and Celtics got three themselves out of it. So everything is new, but at the same time, it isn't really new. You know, you're borrowing something from the past, and we're just seeing more and more of uh, Quinn's postgame comments. And then from the players' comments as they're absorbing it, you know, you got to play faster, you got to run in transition, and partly it's, hey, get down court before these big guys who can match up with us match up with us. And they're, they're going to play a smaller back court. We know that. They're going to, Conley will be out however long he's out with his hamstring here, but he'll be back, and he and Donald will be there, and they better get down court in a hurry and beat those bigger guys down court. That's a partial way. It's one way, right. And, if, and for three different contenders, the Jazz could face in three consecutive series, theoretically, you know, if you're able to win in advance, uh, you better have all of those things, you know. And, and Locke was talking a little bit about, and this is your big deal after the Pacers game, hey, look at those offensive rebounds, you know. You get another possession, they don't. They can't score if you have the ball. If you've got another chance and you've got high-percentage shooters, man, these bonus opportunities you're getting, they're going to pay off. I think from the Jazz perspective – the mindset that I would take is, yeah, you got to beat them, but they got to beat you too. Yep. And just by showing up, that doesn't mean they're going to beat you. They're going to have to play well. And the Lakers got a bunch of guys that, can I really, really count on them? Do I know that? Have they proven? Oh, yeah, they've got one dude who's an all-timer and belongs on the Mount Rushmore of NBA. I don't have any problem with that. Uh, and but the other he guy can't do it every possession. <laughs> Anthony Davis brings as much skill, uh, inch inch per inch or foot per foot, not okay. pound for pound. Thank you, Bola. But I'm talking <laughs> about his height. And so when you look at a big man of his capability, he's the prototypical big man of today. He can do it all offensively. There's no doubt about it. He can do it all. But then other than that, who am I really, really counting on? for 16 times in the postseason. Now, maybe the greatness of those two is that I barely have to count on those guys, and all i got to count on them is occasionally hit a wide-open shot, 
and just find a way to just at least be within three feet of your man defensively and just don't let him drive down the lane uh, unrestricted every time. So maybe the point being that you're not asking those guys to do that much because the overwhelming ability of the two guys up top allows that. Okay, if you want to make that argument, I understand all that. But the Jazz, too, have guys who can beat you. And if they're clicking, I just I just don't think it's impossible. Is it a long shot? If you want to say that, I don't think it's the most preposterous long shot that I've ever seen. I mean, I'm watching the Lakers here, and they're going to overtime every night. Now, maybe it's you know it's February, and who gives a crap? But Davis isn't playing. He missed did not every game, but you know he's and then and now I know that too. You know he's he, he's just being careful. Well, you know he's not Cal Ripken over here, and uh, so that's that's the thing too that we've seen when you're playing. The, the, the thing about the Warriors that I don't think has been pointed out as much, the breakdown physically of the Warriors, how much was that due to the fact that they were playing two extra months for many, many years? I think a lot of people believe that's a factor. You are not on an island with that theory. That that add, The wear and tear adds up, and it isn't a problem until suddenly it is. You know, and literally, we were most of us were watching those finals, and they're running up and down the court, and it's not a problem. And then a guy's laying on the ground, and it is a problem. So I guess more more so with Clay than with uh, with Durant. With Durant, we did have an idea: hey, this might be a problem, and then it was. Well, and Curry's been injured. Curry's had yeah, absolutely. I I, I think if he'd been a hundred percent healthy, that seventy three team they seventy three win team they had might have been able to pull it off, despite Draymond Green getting suspended. But he wasn't 100%. And so the point being, man, you're just a little bit of nagging injury away. Possibly. Maybe. I don't know that right. you are. Well, and you never know who that injury is going to happen to. You know? Yeah, it could I happen mean, to your guy, too. It could happen to the, the Jazz, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, the Sixers, whoever. You know, it's, everybody's at risk for that. That's why I think tonight's game is really intriguing because Conley's going to be out again. Mm-hmm. So this is his third game. And they they played four games combined. I think they were two and two together without Favors and Mitchell, and they won both of those. Now it's against the same team, the Mavs, when the Mavs were probably in their worst streak that they're going to have all season. I get all that. But now you have Conley out, and if they find a way to win tonight, are we going to come up with another thing? Are we going to come up with well, the Bucks are on their – their fifth game in, in three and a half hours. I mean, are we just going to keep saying all these blah, blah, blah things? Or are we just going to acknowledge, hey, this is another team that they beat? I mean, the the, the Bucks played, uh, what, Sunday? Or not Sunday. Uh, what are we? Uh, Thursday, Wednesday against the Suns, right? They lost that game down in the Valley. Yes. They had off today. And now Miami played last night. They're, they're going to be sitting in. I don't know. If they're gonna, I assume they're going to be in town tonight. And they don't play until tomorrow. So that gives them an extra day. That the thing about all that stuff is that you know I can't get caught up in that because it's not like you get any allowance for that. It's like well, we, if the Jazz lose tomorrow because Miami didn't play and you're playing back to back, it doesn't count as a half loss. It counts as a loss. So I'm going to try to be more. I'm going to be mentally tougher than that and not use that. But all those things, if they win, and I don't know that Conley's playing tomorrow. So if they go four and out, four and zero without Mike. Man, that, that shows me something because he's been playing very well, but yet you were able to overcome that. 
that all these signs that point to a really good team. And it and it's been 20 years since you went to the finals and I get it. It's not supposed to happen just like overnight in a sense, but who's to say that it doesn't because it's a real possibility right now. 4-0 without Ingles, 2-0 without Favors and Mitchell and now 2-0 without Conley. That's a that's a pretty good run right there. And now as a bouquet's out. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, DK. All right, DJ and PK, everything you missed in this show coming up next. We'll get you up to speed. Stay with us. The Big Show, the Big Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. I like myself a good French fry with ketchup and mayo. I'm not talking about fry sauce. I'm talking about real mayo and real ketchup. Is yeah. that fry sauce? Uh, that's kind of what I was Te- thinking. Technically, I'm it is. I'm not talking about spaghetti and meatballs. I'm talking about spaghetti and meat balled up. <laughs> Europe had it before fry sauce ever showed up. Yeah. Bite your tongue. Fry sauce started here, sir, with yeah. Arctic Circle. We created fry sauce, and we will own that in perpetuity. Oh, they did in Europe we, first. It tastes different. Separate than fry Fry sauce. Next thing you know, Gordon's going to tell us Brigham Young didn't say this is the place, but uh, this is good enough. <laughs> Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, in The Zone Sports Network. Butler up top, guarded by Tate. Works his way into the paint, lays it up and in. Jimmy Butler now with 20, and he's putting his stamp on this quarter. Jalen Brown leads the break, shovel lead for Ojale, who steps around a man and lays it in. New career high, 24 for Shemi Ojale. Celtics by 14 with 3.05 to go. Outlet to Mello. He has the last five points for the Blazers. Another three, another make! Mello is on fire! And the Blazers lead it 102-97. Doc Rivers wants timeout. Curry to the timeline. Waits, dribbles, hook pass to Draymond outside the arc. Back to Curry. Quick release from the left wing. Splash for Curry! That's three, number 10 on the night. DJ PK brought to you apart by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. A lot of highlights right there from the NBA last night. Jimmy Butler, a triple-double, 27 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. The Heat beat the Rockets 101-94. The Heat will play the Jazz Saturday night. We've been talking about the Bucks tonight, but it's Jazz and Miami Saturday night, and Miami, if you just haven't been following it and look at it, they got a lousy record after going to the NBA Finals, but they've had a lot of guys out with injuries. Butler, of course, is the headliner, COVID. but he's back, and they've won four in a row. Jimmy Butler's my kind of player. He's a dog. He just really is a guy who runs through a wall. We see him, he gets in skirmishes with guys. It's like uh, he doesn't care. He just wants to win, at least that from a distance and stuff that I've read about him. And he seems like he's my kind of guy because uh, I read a thing about him that just to bug the guys in the locker room with all the rap, he started playing country and he started jacking it up with his sound system in the locker room just to get under guys' skin. And I've been known to do that a time or two. And he ended up liking country. <laughs> and he ends up going to country concerts. He's like buddies with uh, Luke Bryan. <laughs> Because he started playing this stuff to get under their skin, <laughs> just to be different. And he ends up, wait, that's pretty good. And so it's, I read a story about him. Now he get, he is off to the side on the stage uh, for concerts. But he, he'll battle you, man. And you can see nothing. And I like that in a, in a player. Win or lose, I like that. 
So get an opportunity to see him coming in here tomorrow. I'm excited because it's a nice test. And it's really, I don't care what their record is, because as you said, their record is not reflective of the talent. And the thing about it from the Jazz perspective, these next several games, we'll eliminate the all yeah buts. Now, are you sure? If they win, yes. But what if they... If there are some splits in there, then the then the debate rages on because people have staked out their ground that they are great or they aren't great, and the yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm on. talking about if they win. Yeah, if they sweep it, yeah. Then there's no yeah, but left to say. But well, I mean, they're not going to sweep exactly. But, but I still think I mean they're not going to go over either. I agree. But if they go uh, four and two in these six big games, they got a couple other games sprinkled in. There's a Charlotte game. I think the Miami game should be considered a big game. I'm not convinced. It is it, a big game. I'm not convinced that it will be in the debate, and that's where the whole no. yeah, but thing. No, they lost to Miami. Miami. They lost to Miami, and Miami's got a losing record. No, yeah, no, but no. Butler's been out, and now he's back, and they're good again. <laughs> See, Miami's a glamour destination. Pat Riley, blah blah mm-hmm. blah blah blah. So we all know about Miami. If you follow the NBA to any degree, and we don't, at least I don't focus that much on the East. Because you, you, I'll worry about that if the Jazz get out. But I know I focus enough on it to know they've been coveted and they've been injured. Mm-hmm. So give them their dudes, and they're a really good team. We everybody knows that. Anybody who's paying half a bit of attention knows that. So there won't be a yeah, but as long as they got their guys, there's no yeah buts. And that's the thing about it. The Jazz are they're going to get past this yeah, but now if they lose, say they go even, whatever it is, but. You know, there are games that are right down and somebody hits a shot and you'll lose. You played well and you just winner and loser in every game. If you're getting smoked like you did a couple weeks back against Denver three or four times, well, that's another story. But if you win and you win them all by one point, there's no yeah buts. This is pro sports, man. I don't put in a yeah but. Hardly at all. Recognizing there's times that it's legitimate. I I know, but you know how this works, PK. There's going to be a contrarian in every crowd. There's always an argument to be made. Shred of truth. Sell it hard. And if they keep winning. Now I hate contrarians outside of myself. (laughs) Right. Exactly. But you could win 22 in a row and somebody will say, well, the Rockets won 22 in a row and then Jazz knocked them right out. They're regular season games. It doesn't matter. Uh, there'll always be a yeah, but there's another yeah, but, yeah, but. you knock this yeah, one down. No, 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 no. One. That they won the 22 in a row, and I think you're you're being literal here. That they did it at the time. Now, in retrospect, if we get to August, then you could say a big yeah, but. But I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about March 1st. Get through this stretch. That's what I said earlier. It really bugs me if you say they're not a good, a great team, a really good team. If you want to say, okay, let's see what they do in the playoffs, I think you got to have both of them. If you want to go, they're not, well, I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach in the postseason. I'm fine with that. But don't take a wait-and-see approach now. No. Don't do it, man. you got the same record as the Lakers, essentially. And nobody's saying, yeah, but on them. And I, and I realize they've won the title and LeBron is all that. I understand all that. But right now, this team has proven that it's a big-time team. Give them their due at the time you're giving them the due. And then later, if they turn out, you know what you can do. And if they flame out, you don't give them their due. You know what you give them? You give them their doo-doo. 
Building up to that. Way to go. Way to cash in. You did that in about That's five just seconds. outstanding analysis right there, guys. <laughs> Come on. Doo-doo. Uh, <laughs> the thing they're going to run up against and the constant, yeah, but, and it's, it's really what the whole league should be running out. And this is what you said about Shaq. And like, well, if Shaq wants to say it about Mitchell, I mean, granted, timing was, you know, less than ideal. But if he wants to say it about Mitchell, okay, but just make sure you say it about Antetokounmpo and Paul George, you know, on down the line. And, but we're just at this weird place in NBA history where the Lakers are the only group in the league that's won a title. A lot of times we'll have, you know, multiple past champions in the mix, right? But we got the Lakers. We got Kawhi, who individually has done it, but because he's moved around— the, the Spurs and the Raptors are no longer, who he did it with, are, are no longer contenders. And you got the Warriors have been decimated by injuries. And you got LeBron moving around. So you go back to Cleveland and Miami. It's like there's, there's literally no past champions rolling around. It's the Lakers. They're the only one who's done it. Everyone else can be hit with the yeah, but it's the regular season and you're not LeBron and you don't have the pedigree. Because right now, literally, the Lakers are the only team with the pedigree because of the Warriors' injuries and because of Kawhi and LeBron moving so much. No, no. Two things. Oh, LeBron two things. I love one. two things. You know I do. LeBron is the only one with the pedigree, not the Lakers. And mm. that's all the more reason to consider the Jazz a serious contender is because there's really nobody else that you have to get past that screams at you. Now, the Clippers can beat you. I understand that. But the point being, they're not screaming at you. So that's all the more reason to consider the Jazz even more legitimate than you should. I like the second, Thank you. I like the second point a lot more than I like the first. The fact that you don't have to crawl over two or three teams that have got this championship-level talent and have proven it and have done it, that's a positive. Yes, agree with that. As far as it, the Lakers well, did do it Lakers, last year. it's not the Lakers. It's LeBron. It is, but it's the supporting cast largely. They had some turnover, but it's largely. I mean, Schroeder hasn't done it, right? But Kyle Kuzma has to the degree he has to do oh, it that what he's has called he done? on in his he role. He sniffed freaking LeBron's <laughs> jock. Give me a break. He had That's a role all they've to play, done. and he played it. AD had a role to play, and he played it. Of and course, AD isn't getting anywhere without LeBron. Well, absolutely. But you have star players on lots of championship teams. You can't, you can't dismiss that. Not to the level of LeBron. But he's apparently no. still at that level, so Kuzma's in the same role. You're right. If LeBron was greatly diminished this year, then Kuzma and we just pick him because he's a Ute and so people are more familiar with him, he would have to fulfill a bigger role. But since LeBron seems to be in pretty much the same place, Kuzma's got to do what he did last year. AD's got to do what he did last year. I got that. And they're fine NBA players, but that's all they are. Yeah. With LeBron, they're champions. That's I'm just saying, put more emphasis on LeBron, LeBron. as opposed to the Lakers right. have the pedigree. LeBron gave them the pedigree. Sure, but... Kawhi's got the pedigree, but the role players with the Clippers haven't done it. It was the role guys. It was, you know, Lowry in Toronto did it, but Paul George hasn't. You know, Siakam did it, but, you know, and you just go on down the roster. All right, that's a lot of what we've been talking about. We did talk about the Utes a little bit. They got a win. It was ugly, but you add up the wins and losses at the end of the year, and you don't get points subtracted or added for ugly or great. Two for six at the free throw line in the final minute, and a critical turnover on their last possession uh, nearly nearly cost him the game, but even though the doors open, Cal couldn't walk through it. They missed a game-winning shot, and then they missed a game-tying free throw of their own. So the Utes are 6-6, six and six, back to 500 in the conference after a bad start. 
Care to make any predictions for Stanford, knowing full well they've already beaten Stanford this year? Stanford got blown oh, out. I don't see the I don't see the Utes losing till Indianapolis. Okay, got the top of the league left. They got to play the uh, they got to play the top five teams in the league here in the final seven games, plus two with Oregon State. Today. That's what we want. Bring them on. Bring them on. Well, bring on Stanford tomorrow night, eight o'clock on the Pac-12 networks. So the Ute game uh, and the uh, and the Jazz game tomorrow night. Uh, there you go. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your feedback is next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now, I'm not very much of a BYU homer. I respect them. But let us not forget what Jimmer did. He was shooting 30-footers before anybody that I can remember, even Steph Curry. Jimmer! Why do we need pretty sideline reporters asking dumb questions about the ball game? Every team has one, but it's kind of stupid when answers from coaches are obvious and lame. DJPK brought to you apart by Minky Couture. The best blanket ever is also the best gift for Valentine's Day. Get 30% off right now on any regularly priced blankets with code word WELCOME30 at MinkyCouture.com. Take care of that Valentine's gift today by visiting a location near you in Ogden, Layton, Draper, Orm, Sugar House, or St. George. That's Minky Couture and Valentine's Day. Check them out at MinkyCouture.com. Sideline reporters, PK. That's the topic of the day. Yeah, I think they're kind of cliche, but whatever, yeah. man. Everybody's got them. I don't, I don't really worry about what the broadcast people do. I'm more interested in the game. They got their jobs to do, and they're trying to do them the best they can. Most important thing is you can run around on the sideline and find out who got injured and if they're coming back. That's the number one thing I want to know. There you go. Announcers use it up in a booth, and they can't do that. So tell me if that person's out. And they're sponsored, and they make money. So there's that, too. <laughs> All right, the feedback. What you are thinking about today's show. Uh, Clint says Lisa listens to too many conspiracy theories. She thought the Mark Cuban answer. Yeah, I thought thing that was, was out there a little bit. Set up so that the commissioner I, could look good. I don't think that that was the case, but I do think that they need to be concerned about how they stand politically, which is why they're not kneeling anymore, I guess. Why not? It's not like the cause has gone away. Everything's fine the now, PK. As strong as ever. Yep. Yeah. Right, sure. I mean, I get your sarcasm there. So, and you're in a public domain and you want to appeal because conservatives' dollar adds up just as much as the other guy's dollar and you want to get as many dollars as you can. So, I get that. That's why Jordan did what he did. The Jazz, how much respect do they deserve? How much pubs should they get? That's been a question in different forms for a while now. And uh, Utes for Life got, got into it with Tony Spencer. But I think their back and forth kind of uh, encapsulates the argument here. Uh, Utes for Life says the Jazz don't have superstars yet. They haven't done anything yet. They haven't even won a playoff series. Why are Jazz fans so upset right now? They have to win in the playoffs to get respect. Until they do, it's just, meh. And yeah, superstars don't lose a series after leading 3-1. To which Tony says, well, the Clippers last year with Kawhi and Paul George didn't have any superstars, and they gave up a 3-1 lead to the same Denver Nuggets then? Useful Life says, what did Kawhi do two years ago? Paul George isn't a superstar either. Tony says, again, that's my point and the fallacy of your thin argument. The superstar who guarantees victory. That's why really only the Lakers and, and LeBron have that, um, 
I don't know what ultimate amount of confidence. I mean, the fact is, champions don't automatically repeat either. So even they can't. It's not like they're a, there's a hundred percent chance the Lakers are going to win the title. If you want to tell me they've got the best chance, if you want to tell me they got better than a fifty percent chance, okay. But champions don't always repeat, even when they're looking good midseason. The good thing about this run that the Jazz are on that it's more than just meh. I disagree on that completely. The meh, and also too. <laughs> They are putting themselves at a level that's demanding playoff success because they don't want to be thought of, well, yeah, nice regular season, but what'd you do, chumps? Right. And so as they continue to win, it's going to – the pressure and expect maybe not pressure, but I guess pressure to an extent, but more so the expectation level is going to gradually increase also. You take a look at a team like Phoenix, man. They get to the playoffs. If they win a playoff series, they're jumping for joy. Well, if the Jazz finish with the first or second best record in the conference, which is eminently doable, then even the third, for that matter, a first-round playoff series, it's almost taken for granted that you're going to win because you're absolutely supposed to win. So they'll have to meet that level, too, when they get there. All right, PK and I will see you Sunday night on Talking Sports to talk about the Jazz and the Bucks, the Jazz and the Heat Saturday night, and look ahead to the Jazz and the Sixers Monday. Uh, This is the top two teams in the East and the team that went to the NBA Finals out of the East. Big weekend for the Jazz. We'll see you Sunday night on Talking Sports. See you back here Monday from 6 to 10 on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.